We know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in, in cat coronavirus vaccines where cats ended up with this horrible inflammation swelling of the stomach and about 30% of the cats died. So we know once you prime somebody with an antibody and that antibody is good, great. But if you prime them with an antibody that is not good, sit back and pull out the popcorn because we're going to be seeing something horrific happening immunologically to a population down the road. The honest answer is we don't know to what degree, but we do know the history of this, and history is one of the best teachers that we have. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, June 5th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. Very important follow-up show in regard to some of the topics we've been breaking down since the beginning of this illusion. And I actually do have a, a, a longer clip that we're going to play today in regard to Dr. Ryan Cole, again, and discuss what he is discussing really it's a it's about a 20 plus minute video but just want to play a part in the beginning just to show you one how he has been on this from the beginning but as well as the fact that this information has been there you have been hearing this from us we've been discussing the science this is not new information it's only perceived that way because a lot of people haven't been confronted with this yet and have refused to acknowledge it but we're going to go through this and that's where that quote comes from ryan cole himself dr ryan cole calling it a nuclear bomb. And it's exactly what you've already heard if you've been following this channel. The lipid nanoparticle concentration, the, the, the well, specifically the lipid part of it as well, by itself, the nanoparticles by itself, but the lipid nanoparticle uh, delivery system is potentially dangerous. It, it, their own studies show this. As I've said before, nanoparticles alone have shown very clear negative effects to reproductive systems and on and on. This is from the NIH. But then he talks about the other part of this, the genetic, the, the genetic part, the genetic treatment that this is. These things together are exponentially dangerous. We're talking about the spike protein itself and how these things, all this information you've heard before. We've talked about the mRNA by itself and how that itself alone can cause problems. It's all there. The evidence is there. The data is there. The science is there. People are just desperate not to let anybody see it. And we're going to go over that again and show you why that's happening. But we're going to go at it from an angle of how they're really pushing this exactly like we told you, predicted, uh, hypothesized that they would, which is jumping from booster to booster. Well, now we're not talking about one, two or three. It's about the fourth one. The fourth one does it all. And then will it become the fifth and the sixth and the sixth? And it really doesn't do anything but keep them strung along. And this is what the data is continuing to show. Now, somebody reached out and I'm going to give credit once we get there in regard to New South Wales showing you the data that is still there in regard to the vaccinated versus unvaccinated breakdown. And we'll show you that again. And it's, I mean, it's very important, but it's at this point, this has been proven. This has been verified. This is their argument about why that is a misinterpretation is something you should consider. Now I'm not even trying to get into the misinterpretation information about it. I'm trying to point out that the data they have in front of you challenges everything they're saying right now. Does that mean it's better or worse or more dangerous or not if you're vaxxed or not unvaxxed? Well, I have my opinions of, as, as I've expressed a thousand times. And at this point of the show, though, it's not even really about that. If they're not being honest about what the data shows, doesn't that tell you everything you need to know? 
I mean, it's amazing how we're watching this effort, this cover-up. And that's what this is. This is an honest-to-God cover-up of information that's right in front of them. And all these doctors like Cole and others are standing up and trying to make you see that. Now, we're also going to talk about the definition of fully vaccinated, which I haven't followed up on that for a while, but it's, again, shocking, exactly like we expected they would do. They're desperately holding on to fully vaccinated as two shots, yet saying you have to be up to date to do certain things. So how can it be fully vaccinated? I'll get into the ridiculous. I mean, what would you, what would you even call that? I mean, in, in trying it's not equivocation. It's not mental. I mean, mental gymnastics. I don't, this is an effort to pretend that it, both of those things mean the same thing when they want it to. But then at some points you're only safe if you're up to date, but fully vaccinated is enough to get you on a plane. <laughs> Makes sense. But it's not safe. You're not here. It's illogical. It's not meant to make sense. But we're also going to get into the collapsing athletes conversation to finish off, which is about something. It's another cover up, to be quite honest, as we've seen this whole time. The data is, unequ- is undeniable, absolutely undeniable based on the FIFA study, based on the NIH study. The numbers are way higher than they've ever been ever. But on top of that, larger than the numbers they told you we would expect to see in a normal year. But yet still, it's fake news somehow. But then now, now we're seeing this new progression. Well, now there's SADS, sudden adult death syndrome, which, yes, has been a phrase before we got to COVID-19, but it's and everyone's pointing at it. Why is it so high? We're baffled. <laughs> We're baffled about this obvious connection or why these things came out of nowhere. Or how about the idea that SIDS itself, sudden infant death syndrome, is also connected to vaccine administration from before COVID-19. But the idea being simply that these are unexplainable. So for them to scream down anybody saying it's the vaccine, they also don't know that. But they won't tell you that when they shout you down for saying, could it be the vaccine? You conspiracy theorists, I just asked a question. It's very obvious how desperate they are to keep this from your view. But also we have the the arrhythmic, the sudden arrhythmic death syndrome and all these different things they're pointing out. Arrhythmic, I have it, well, I'll get to it in a minute. I'm probably mispronouncing it. But the point is, it's arrhythmic, I believe. It's an arrhythmia. But the point being, these are all different words for some of the same thing. People suddenly dying and we don't know why. And we're making up names and different versions. Or how about things like MISC, MISA? Multi-system inflammatory syndrome. Make sure I'm also not saying that incorrectly. Multi-system inflammatory syndrome. Yeah, M-I-M-S-I-C. That's interesting. Am I saying it backwards? It is M-I-S-C. Multi. That's interesting. I never picked up on that before. I don't know why it would be M-I-S-C if it's multi-system inflammatory. In any case, that's what it does stand for. The idea being that these are things, as the study we just showed you, that indicate that the masks to a large degree, are causing this, which is exactly what we hypothesized based on the facts and the data back in the beginning. But all this stuff showing you that these things are converging on your system and making a perfect storm of problems with inflammation from every different direction. And all they're doing is going, wow, you know, it's sudden random death. We don't know why. Call it a syndrome. Now we're going to go through all this today and discuss. Now to start, I wanted to make sure we point out the things I'm not going to get to today in regard to Ukraine. I put off Ukraine most likely tomorrow. And I just want to make, we'll, we, we'll get to stories that you might have been hearing discussed and we'll go into it more in depth, but things like this, yet another person in the UK saying the reality is you'll just be used as cannon fodder if you go and fight for Ukraine. But fake news, this random teen who decides to speak up is fake news. He must be a white supremacist, right? Well, that's the logic level of the rationaling, rationalization of people that don't want to hear what he's telling you, which also backs up with 
Henry Hoft and the other person who spoke up and also got shouted down by the corporate media who are telling you what's actually happening. We'll get into that tomorrow, as well as the fact that people like Eva Bartlett are on a kill list in, in, in Ukraine. But that's all okay because she's a bad guy, white supremacist supporting non-journalist that's telling you what's going on on the ground, right? How do they even rationalize these kind of things? Because they usually don't step in and go, it's okay. They just pretend like it's not a bad thing. They don't talk about it. The problem is that Eva Bartlett is one of the best journalists of our time, and she is literally on a kill list of Ukraine's, the Ukrainian government. Why? Because she a, a supports Russia? Is that a crime? And that's not even necessarily the entire state. That's what they would frame of her. But yeah, she does. The bottom line, though, is that this is what's happening to people that just don't toe the line. You should respect Eva Bartlett and you should be following her work. We'll get into this more as it goes forward. But just recognize that journalists on kill lists only matter if they're the right kind of journalist, which is pretty much exactly how they deal with everything, right? Right kind of person, right kind of skin color, right kind of actions taken geopolitically. doesn't matter. Whatever they say is what is normal and good. But we'll come back to that as we go forward in the next couple of shows. But I want to make a couple of quick points before we jump right off. This is predominantly around COVID-19 today. Just a couple of quick side points. I mentioned this on a recent show with Misty uh, uh, on TNT Radio. Just, this is really, this. I don't know why people can't see this. I, and again, I, as I say that, I, I'm thinking to myself, I do know why. I think most people do see this, and they yell at you as if you're one of the fringe people, when in the reality, most people do see this. We're being convinced, gaslighted, into thinking that we're part of a minority, when in fact, most Americans see through this like a thin, like, like nothing's there. Because it's transparent, it's ridiculous. And yet we still wait and hold back because we think we're the minority. That's a whole other conversation in and of itself. And I've been poking at that for years, but I really believe that's where we are. How do we stop it? What do we do? What's the next step? Help people, guys. New corporations studiously avoid any mention of pride, of course, in countries where they might lose customers or get the wrong side of the government. Right. So is this a important world changing stance that we all need to take, even if it's in the detriment of our business, which is what they try to project? You know, Gillette making commercials that are anti-masculine and so on. That We've seen all of it. They're willing to do it here. But yet other places of the world, they don't do that because they lose customers and the government wouldn't allow it. Well, then I guess it's not really a thing that matters around the world. It's only where it matters where you can tap into some kind of zeitgeist and make it work for your business. And that's not even the case half the time. Maybe it isn't some kind of long-term agenda where these companies abuse that. Or rather, the government knows that they've towed the line and they benefit them for it. But in any case... The idea is that they're trying to tap into something that they see as the, the right, moral, virtuous thing and whatever. They're, in COVID, we saw them benefit financially from that. But the point is, other places in the world, they're not doing it. So either it means everything and it's worth taking a stance for, even at the detriment to yourself, or it's not. You don't get to play it both ways around the world, and that's what they're doing. So what, it's not just Mercedes, BMW, Cisco, and all the rest of them. It's everybody, guys. It's the corporate entities. They don't care about any of this. Same reason your government doesn't actually care about human life or saving civilians or rescuing people from bad, evil guy, bad guy governments. It's all a bunch of floated narratives to achieve what they want, which usually ends up doing the same thing. You know, freedom, democracy, no, it's actually regime change and starvation tactics. That's what those usually stand for. But nonetheless, it just shows you how gross this all is and how they're pushing this down your throat when they don't even truly believe what they're talking about half the time. One other side note, something that we've talked about for a long time on this platform, The Last American Vagabond, which is discussions around things like human trafficking and pedophilia networks inside of powerful entities like the government or Hollywood or entities, not the right word for that. But we check out The Last American Vagabond if you haven't seen this past coverage, because this isn't some flimsy thing that gets dumped into some 
you know, partisan talking point and what, what they na- what they've made Pizzagate out to be. It's about the real background around this, the, 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 the actual provable documentation. Like we talk about things like Laura Silsby and Hillary Clinton and Silsby trafficking Haitian children across the border, getting caught for it, getting arrested and the Clinton state department getting her off. And even Chuck Todd did an entire segment on this in the news and before it got scrubbed. The point is this stuff is very real. And then of course, for those out there shaking your head, Oh, what fake news? Except Epstein, right? We don't like to think about that, how obvious that shows you that this was a child sex blackmail network that was meant to manipulate powerful people, that it was connected directly to intelligence networks. But, you know, it's all fake news anywhere else, though, right? The point is that Whitney shares this. Adam Herberts, first of all, shares breaking Utah County Sheriff's Office seeks information on ritualistic child sex abuse and child sex trafficking. Things that are ridiculous fake news if talked about in any context related to powerful people, except it's totally not. And it's damn near everywhere today based on things like how rampant war is, because anytime you're going to find a war, you're going to find this happening underneath it, usually conducted by the very powerful people pretending to fight for freedom. But it says I've been investigating the case for months. I can confirm. Some subjects of investigation are high-profile individuals. Now, that's based on his standing as a Fox News journalist, which to me means nothing. So whether he can confirm that is interesting. I'd wait to see the facts. But it's interesting nonetheless because I do believe this is happening because it's been exposed. As Whitney says, for the people who say Franklin scandal is a conspiracy theory, it's still happening. And I just included this. I said, absolutely. And this is a, 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 an article on The Last American Vagabond, one of our most viewed in the, in the past, by the way entitled six case studies that point to massive pedophilia rings at the highest levels of power conspiracy theory they love to frame us as that it's not some clumsy effort to point at bill clinton and somebody else which are valid things to discuss by the way no this is a clear case study overview of the facts in six different cases throughout this country's history that are undeniable now not to go too deep on this because it's a pretty gross topic this is something you should all check out if you haven't seen it because as whitney points out this is still happening Epstein was one person in a massive network and wasn't even in charge, but they love to let you think it's all put to bed now. Now, same kind of point as they're like, no, 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 it's all over because we got the bad guy. He killed himself, actually, is what they want you to think, which I don't even believe actually happened, whether he was killed or is somewhere else. Of course, all conspiracy theory, because those are the things you're not supposed to say out loud. The point, this guy's is transitions to other topics. Alice Smith points out something very interesting that we need to think about, whether it's what happened with Epstein, whether it's the fact that this is even a conspiracy theory idea that government's involved in anything like this, or that vaccines are doing what they tell you they're doing, or that Ukraine's not neo-Nazis. The point, or the government, I should say, that's been put in power by the U.S., not the entirety of Ukraine. But here's the point, guys. They're making all kinds of allegations and threats and, and you know, predictions about things they use to tax you to implement policy that goes against what you, what you would actually do for yourself. And here are some examples of history. 1960s, oil is going to be gone in 10 years. 1970s, another ice age will be in 10 years. And you can add every single year, by the way, we're going to be overpopulated. We're going to be overpopulated. We're going to be overpopulated over and over and over the population bomb over and over and over. And every time they go, oh, no, 10 years from now. That's not to say that there's not actions being taken in any one of these points. But understand that these things are stated. Nothing happens in regard to what they claim. And then they just keep using it going forward. 1980s. Acid rain will destroy all the crops in 10 years. We should all remember these things. 1990s, remember the big 90s one? The ozone layer will be gone in 10 years. Well, the pollution they claim has only gotten worse. So where'd that go? 2000s, the ice caps will be gone in 10 years. We've heard all of these. None of those happened, but all resulted in more taxes, as she points out. It's a meme, but yes, those are valid, guys. Think about how many more there are. You could you, you could do 45 hours straight of nonstop things they've said guaranteed would happen that didn't actually happen. 
So why don't we question that? Why don't we wonder whether or not that's actually what's coming or actually what these things do or actually what these governments believe? Hmm, I don't know. I wonder why. Now, another interesting point just to show you how broken we are today. This is not a joke. It's not the Babylon Bee. Judge rules that bees, you know, bees, very important to our survival as a species, judge rules that bees legally can be fish. Now, what's interesting about this story is it's not, it's not really as dumb as it sounds, as that headline is, but it is pretty close. And it also ends up in a direction of protecting bees, which is something I'm not going to disparage because I think that's important. But that's actually that's if that's actually what this is meant to do and whether that will actually translate to what we believe it is. And that's always things you should be asking in regard to the government action. Protecting bees turns into killing them all for your protection or, you know, I'm, I'm being facetious, but that is how the government operates, guys. Anybody who's been Ron Paul will wax intellectual about this forever in regard to how they will always take opposite direction as long as it enshrines what they're allowed to continue to do that is once was once illegal, like the Patriot Act or like the War Powers Act or on and on and on. But the decision allows the state of California to apply protections to endangered bees. But here's the interesting part about this. Instead of recognizing, okay, well, because the Fish and Wildlife Department can basically has a broad category that includes a certain type of animal or, or species that, or rather type of species, well, anyway, the category of species and different species that kind of gets lumped under fish. One example is a certain kind of snail that's not actually in the water, but is considered under the category of fish in, in the way that they conduct their business. Now, instead of just going, well, that's dumb when we realize that bees weren't included really well and that they're technically falling under the category of fish, the point is that they were trying to fight against allowing them to be considered endangered because they weren't part of a certain category. Look, all said and done, Instead of just being like, well, this is dumb. Let's acknowledge these aren't fish. Let's acknowledge that they should be kept safe because we all see that's important. Nah, you don't get that. You get the politicized nonsense from both sides. One side trying to argue they shouldn't be protected because they're not. The other side going, well, let's pretend they're fish so we can protect them. And here we go. Now we end up in a in a world where bees are actually fish so we can stop them from being murdered by corporations and their government. I mean, I just can't get past how dumb we all are today. And I shouldn't say it like that because this is not the majority, guys. But these are the people in charge or the processes and the mechanisms and the system they've built that is so broken that this is how we have to go forward. It just should make you laugh out loud. Now, what happens next when some other some new policy gets enacted that discusses fish? Are they bees that included? I mean, you can see how this just gets convoluted, which is the point. Now, shouldn't that doesn't deserve that much attention, but it just guys, I mean, if we can't see how backward we are and how politics rules the day, then we're not paying attention. Bees can now legally be classified as fish. It's just so, I mean, it's, that's technically correct, but you, you can read the story if you want to understand it's more of a category thing and not that they're calling them fish, but it's very frustrating. Now, another point about fake news or just ridiculous, you know, I mean, spreading fake information is what we're ultimately talking about. Remember that report we just discussed about Chinese soldiers with their helmets and their self-destruct helmets? And I was just a quick point I made about it. Well, guess what? I was right. It turns out that that's not true. And it was a gross misrepresentation, which is usually what these are. Now, I'm not going to suggest that both the U.S. government or the Chinese government, which are both equally alarming and dangerous to you, should be to you and are to me. Whether or not they or the point being is that I have no doubt they have abilities. The point being, if you didn't see the previous story, these helmets, apparently a U.S. report was that Chinese soldiers now have helmets that can be self-destructed from afar. So if we don't know where they are, we're going to blow them up, even if they're alive. That's kind of the whole premise. 
Now, are we going to pretend that the U.S. wouldn't wouldn't do that? That China wouldn't do that? Of course not. I have no doubt they probably have something that like, likely exists. However, what they're pointing at when they have this discussion, just like when it becomes a story about how everyone in North Korea has to have the same haircut, which was a fake story, and it was proven to be a fake story, but everyone in the Western press talked about it for days. That's how that happens, because they don't care about the facts. So here we have this story. January 2nd, American media reported Chinese troops along the Tibetan border have been equipped with state-of-the-art equipment, including a helmet with a self-destruct function. There's more to the story. The bottom line is the report generated huge backlash as online people online basically talked about the dehumanizing mechanism, which is a very nice way to put that. Some noted the soldiers should be allowed to surrender under international law. Right. So, oh, China, bad guy, international law, as we're supporting Ukrainians that execute anybody they catch, you know hypocrisy. We don't like to do it, though. We don't like to point out our hypocrisy. Only when good guys do bad things, we're all, it's ridiculous, but it's everywhere. Anyway, back to the point. However, other media, such as Apple Daily, actually found no mention such as of this type of functionality anywhere in the information. Now, what's interesting is that these, anybody doing those reports that you'll find pointing at it seem to be no longer there. Not surprising, right? Could be a glitch. Who ultimately knows? I'm let you decide for yourself. But luckily on the way back machine, we still do find it. Cutting to the chase, of course, you can read it all for yourself. It says that they are now equipped with these digital helmets that have the remote control, according to Chinese media, or rather according to what the U.S. was misrepresenting as what the Chinese media said, which is what this gets to and says they did not find any reference in any of the things they pointed at of self-destruct mechanisms in the original report. The funny point is that this is because in most cases it's Chinese and most Americans won't go to the extent of trying to translate it or so on. Only used to destroy information and not the lives of soldiers. Now, could that be a lie? Of course it could. But what's interesting is that that's not about what the whether it's a lie or deciding and, you know, wink, wink what they really mean. It's about what the report said. But everyone in the Western media happily says they're going to blow up their own soldiers because they don't care about life. That's cool. That's the takeaway. The article was likely exaggerated to attract clicks and report could be inaccurate. But, you know, moving on. Because it's not, it's all, it's totally fine and good when the Western press lies or blatantly misinforms for their own agendas. But we'll be fake news hurting and risking people's lives when we talk about peer reviewed science. You see how it goes. Now, last point on this, and I'm not 100% sure that this is not something she was forced to do, as we've seen as they make you delete certain things, or maybe she was forced to delete a certain tweet. And instead, she deleted her own account. In any case, either that happened or Sarah Abdallah was just censored and removed from Twitter in a new type of way. As this says, Twitter deleted Sarah Abdallah, and she had well over 200,000 followers. She was punished for opposing apartheid in Palestine, according to this site. I don't know if that's accurate. But what's interesting is you can see the telltale signs of the beginning to be censored. You know, lock, knocking out your followers, not allowing you to engage. Suddenly your account's there, but there's no, there's no tweets. That's what everyone's saying. There's nothing down there. There's no tweets. What happened? But now it says this account doesn't exist, which is usually not what it says, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean that she didn't just get frustrated and delete it because they were forcing her to delete. Like, oh, like that's what they do. They go, delete all these tweets and we'll let you come back. I mean, at some point, you just get tired of complying, right? But I don't know. I don't know how it went. But the bottom line is she's been somebody out there shouting out truth about what's going on overseas. I'm surprised they let her go this long because they don't care about the truth. But you should follow her anywhere you can because she's doing outstanding work. I would love to connect with her. I've, I've invited her on the show in the past. I don't know if she does too many of them, but if you have her ear, I'd love to connect with her. But as this person points out, they warned her too after posting this. And of course, all there is are images. Images where it goes, oh, look, the New York Times was talking about Brent Renaud, which, by the way, is pretty clearly that he was killed by a Ukrainian soldier. But, you know, fake news because we're not going to talk about that anymore. The point is he was killed in Ukraine, except Shireen 
was die. She just died. Even though she didn't just die, she was killed, and it was admitted to, and we talked about that. But you see the difference? If, if somebody they don't like is killed, they, they just die. Clashes, and someone dies, right? No, no, no. They were assaulted, attacked, and murdered. But no, frame it a different way. But over here, he's killed. Even though we don't even get into who and why, and we, we assume and, and suggest it's Russia, even though it wasn't. The death of an anti-Semitic journalist. This is how they cover this garbage. In any case, it's it's really insulting. And then, of course, we also know we just discussed another journalist that was also shot. Nobody cares about this stuff. No one's talking about it because the Israeli government did it. It must be for freedom, right? It's freedom and democracy, even though none of those things even exist in their wheelhouse. Well, who cares? Finally, talking about fake news still and the misrepresentation and the way that they fail to cover the facts. Yet again, Biden says this, and it's just everybody's seen this. This is everywhere. But yet he keeps saying it. And it's verifiably false, which is not new, but they, they, this is the whole thing. Tell a lie enough, it becomes the truth. Paraphrasing the, the classic, you know, uh, uh, Goebbels level manipulation, right? As Biden says, gun manufacturers, quote, are the only industry in the country that has this kind of immunity. <laughs> okay, what about the tech companies? What about Pfizer? What about any number of other, well, yeah, but it's facts. We're not here to tell facts. We're here to shout narratives at you. That's what he's doing. This is what he literally says. We should repeal the liability shield that often protects gun manufacturers from being sued for the death and destruction caused by their weapons. Repeal the liability shield that often protects gun manufacturers from being sued for the death and destruction caused by their weapons. Well, here's the interesting difference, though, right? Because this, I mean, there's there's an interesting crossover to be made here, which is probably why they're trying to seed this into the conversation. Right, because in one end you have a weapon, something that's it's an inanimate object. Right now, what you should really be comparing is not is like the the substance inside of it and who made that substance. At the end of the day, the misrepresentation of what it's supposed to do. There is no illusion about what a gun is supposed to do, what a bullet is supposed to do. There's no illusion there. It's not like you think, oh, I was told when I pulled the trigger it would be safe and effective. No, that's not what they're saying. You pull the trigger, it's going to kill or hurt somebody. That's a fact. That's what we, or if, you know, if it's aimed and hit somebody, the point nonetheless is that there's no illusion there. Now, the comparison here is to discuss the two different things. They both do have these, a, a level of an liability shield or incomplete indemnity in regard to the in Pfizer injections. Now, we're not talking about an experimental weapon. We're not talking about a new, new untested version of a weapon. No, we're talking about a classic idea of a gun. Now, you see, these are very different things. So they'll never get into those kind of nuanced comparisons. But at the end of the day, you don't, the liability shield is there for a reason because we're not we're in regard to weapons because the weapons are not the thing actually killing somebody, right? And that's where you get into that interesting overlap that I think they want you to focus on. Putting what, putting, removing the indemnity, all it's going to do is create a situation where people who carry out violent acts will then put the blame on the, on the company themselves. Now, when we're talking about an injection, we're talking about something that was sold under a guise of things that does not do. In fact, hiding the risk and you're giving somebody something that they misrepresented. And then when you take that thing, it has really damaging effects. That's again, back to the analogy. If you were to shoot the gun and you told the bullet was soft and it wouldn't hurt anybody. Well, then, yeah, you think they damn well should be held accountable. You lied about what that bullet could do. That bullet hurt somebody. So you should be accountable. But there's a huge difference there. So back to the point. 
Of course they should have in, in, immunity from prosecution of something that was not their fault. I mean, it's the same ridiculous idea of saying that a pencil, because it can stab someone in the neck, that the maker of the pencil should then be held accountable if somebody stabs someone with a pencil. It's ridiculous. Now, on the other hand, if they sold the pencil, I, mean, I could go off forever. If it's misrepresented for what it's actually doing and hiding the damage, of course. But that's like, again, that's like finding a glitch in a weapon that makes it explode. Well, obviously they should be held accountable for that. Same thing. But here he is saying that they're the only one. It's like they want you to think, look, this huge elephant in the room. Obviously that's not true. So why is he getting away with it? Because they are misinforming you. That's what their job is. Which, of course, brings us to the biggest elephant in the room, the misinformation about what the injections are doing to people. Now, here they are going out of their way to try to make this make sense to people. Why? Again, if I, okay, this is what's funny. If you go back three months, a couple of months, and I go on Twitter and I say, boosted Americans are getting COVID-19 more than anybody else. I mean, for crying out loud, if I said that right now on Twitter, I would be called fake news. You'd be censored. You'd get the Twitterverse screaming at your, your misinformation, medical misinformation. You don't know. You're not a doctor. But here is CBS saying why boosted Americans seem to be getting more COVID infections. And that's not that's what is happening. But of course, they get into the well, more of them are vaccinated. Therefore, you're going to have a higher percent. OK, I'm not I didn't qualify the statement. It's simply the fact, right? More boosted Americans, boosted Americans are getting more COVID infections than anybody else. That is a simple breakdown of the facts. And I'll get into this as I go further about what they argue that you are, should expect to see that because and so on and so on. Not more deaths, right? But more cases. This is where they play the game, because what we are seeing is the vast 80 to 90 percent of the deaths. And they'll still make this argument, even though it doesn't make sense. But this is where I, my point I made at the beginning. I'm putting aside the argument of whether that proves it's worse or bad or safe or unaffected. My point is simply that that is not what they were sold. People were not sold something that would hurt the people that would end up in the hospital, but people that are that are boosted, even if that's a small percentage. Now, I'm going to get into showing you this today, especially from New South Wales, that's showing you that with the number of people that are uninjected or rather not fully vaccinated, however you want to look at it, those are two different things, by the way, I'll get into it, but either category you pick, it doesn't make sense that such a small amount of them would be uninjected if they're telling you that they're the most at risk and that they're the most in danger. And I argue most of the people that have gotten a, not a single injection, they're probably not out there wearing masks. They're probably not out there doing all the other things. That's just my opinion. Now, bottom line is the number, which we're looking at about 3 million people in specifically South Wales, and yet that translates to one, two, three, ten people a week. And yet you're seeing way more than that. You'll, it's a percentage breakdown. It's impossible to miss. Now, if I go any further, getting ahead of myself, go back to what they're saying. Why boosted Americans seem to be getting more COVID infections as of June 2nd? This is the mainstream rationalization. Federal data suggests, which I love how they say suggests. So it's funny how when the federal data says what they want it to do, it's absolute, unequivocal. But when it, when it says what they don't want you to think about, which is in this case, breakthrough infections in April were worse and boosted Americans, they go, well, it suggests that. We don't know for sure. Like when they want to point at VAERS, we'll look at the VAERS data about myocarditis. Oh, it's very clear. Well, what about this data about the deaths? Oh, it's unverified. We don't know for sure. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's, almost, it's almost comical how ridiculous that is. But federal data suggests the rate of breakthrough COVID infections in April was worse in boosted Americans compared to unboosted Americans. Okay, so this is where they play that game where it's, well, if we just got that last one, you'd be better. And I'm going to directly show you that's the opposite of what's happening. But that's what they're going to argue. And that's what Bo Boris Johnson argued earlier in the year, saying, well, it's just the people that aren't boosted yet. 
So remember that, because that's going to be a point here. It was worse in boosted Americans compared to, well, so to be clear, what they're saying here is that it was worse in the boosted Americans. So I kind of made that confusing. So what they're, but what they're telling you, and I'm going to show you Boris Johnson next, is that it's the other way around. That if you, if you just get boosted, you'll be safe. So explain this data though. Worse in boosted Americans. It says, though rates of death and hospitalizations remain the lowest among the boosted. That's also false. And I'll show you next. That's simply not true. What they're trying to argue simultaneously is, well, the number's higher. Well, because there's more of them vaccinated. But then they come right back around and go, but no, the rates of death and hospitalization remain the lowest in the boosted. Now, you could argue that in rates, maybe they're talking about percentages. They don't say that. But even then, as I proved to you, that's even not true. In in uh, Scotland, before they removed all their information that allowed you to see it, it was very obvious in every category, the percentage and, and, and if we're just talking about cases, by the way, cases are exponentially higher, both percentage and majority in the UK and Scotland and everywhere else. None of this seems to add up with anything they ever sold you this as, let alone, even if the risk is less, what are we talking about in regard to transmission, the spreading, the continuation of this and the variants and on and on? Well, who's spreading it the most? Undeniably, as the data shows you in four times the amount in most cases, the injected are spreading this the most. You could pretend that they're not getting hurt by it. That's not true either. But if they're spreading it and catching it more than anybody, this is a pandemic of the injected. Undeniable. Now it goes on to say the new data do not mean booster shots are somehow increasing the risk, even though that's literally what is happening. And that's what every expert you're listening to that is standing up for the truth is telling you. Now, you know, people will take that as me saying that anybody saying that are the ones you should respect. But look, It's not just my opinion. These are highly credentialed PhDs, scientists, doctors all around the world that are challenging this, that are saying that this is very clear. And we'll come back to it in a second. But the data continues to show you that this increases your risk, both in the first week and after three months. But in between all of that, based on the antibody production and that and the the efficacy in that regard, it seems to be not not effective, but not necessarily harmful. But then you don't add on, or you should add on, all the other super rare pile side effects that don't actually play into this, right? The other things that are being caused by the spike protein, things being caused by the blood clots, or everything else that's being caused by those things, right? This it's it's almost an unquantifiable risk that they're putting in front of people. It's it's incredible. But going forward, it says. Ongoing studies continue to provide strong evidence of additional protection offered by booster shots. Okay, well, that's not quite a bit of different thing to say there, isn't it? What's the difference between increasing your risk and adding additional protection, right? So if all it does is add additional protection, this is what I keep pointing out. How much protection? 0.01% more? Well, that would constitute additional protection, wouldn't it? A very small amount of increase would, they, that, they, there's strong evidence of additional protection. So then they pretend because there's additional protection, that is the, is the opposite of increased risk. But that's not true because all they're looking at is the antibody production and the efficacy in regard to that, that one statistic right there we just showed you. It does not include all of the other things, the increased risk of myocarditis, the increased risk of Bell's palsy, blood clots, heart attacks, everything we're talking about. But that's how they play the game. And the people that don't want to see it will blindly follow what those words say and act like that's doing their due diligence because CBS said it. It's right there. That doesn't mean anything. They've got caught lying many times. They've got caught being wrong plenty of times. So have all of us. But the bottom line is that then you should be willing to stand back and go, just because they say it doesn't make it true. 
Instead, it says the shift underscores the growing complexity of measuring vaccine effectiveness at this stage of the pandemic. And here's they play this game that you're just too dumb to figure this out. But that's not what's happening here. I am openly telling you that, yes, you will see a higher number of any representative number, or how should I say that, in any breakdown. When you have categories, in this case, injection status, and you have more on one side or the other, well, that that will change the overall representation. That's just a simple reality. In this case, you have more people that are injected, so anything you're looking for will be overrepresented in that group. But that does not mean that when you see like 90% of the risk, 90% of the percentage, 90% of the per, the majority happening. And all of those are happening in different areas we pointed at. That's not the same thing. It's just simply not. And on top of that, it's still, it still it doesn't make sense that people are protected from this. And you're seeing the smallest amount in the group that is supposed to be millions of people, by the way, completely at, at the most risk. It says it comes as officials are weighing key decisions on booster shots and pandemic surveillance, including whether to continue using crude case rates at all. All Right. So they're just done scaring you with the crude case rates because they've gotten you in the infrastructure now. So now we're going forward to the next scare tactic, the next injection, kind of pretending like it's all part of the same thing. And I'll show you that next. But weren't we the ones going crude case rates are a manipulation that you're sweeping up all sorts of things that you don't even know for sure? Yeah. But you see, they got that out of what they wanted. Now we're into PCR fake pandemic land, where anything they want to be can be whatever they want. Crude cases was about reports and everything else as well, but it became very liberal, as they put it, with the the reporting, but yet then use that to put people in prison and remove people from their jobs. Doesn't make sense. It also serves to illustrate a tricky reality facing health authorities amid the latest COVID-19 wave. Again, pretending like this only applies to the latest wave. Fake news. Even many boosted Americans are vulnerable to catching and spreading the virus at a time when officials are wary of reimposing pandemic measures. That wasn't just because of Omicron. That was admitted to during Delta, if we actually take a second to remember. Walensky openly said Delta, yes, they're they're transmitting back and forth. So it wasn't just because of this. So why do you pretend it was? Because that's how they keep you compartmentalizing this. It's only because Omicron and Omicron's because of the unvaccinated. None of that's true. Now, down here, it says next generation of vaccine, the boosters. See, they want you to keep getting these ones, even though they don't work. Even though, as Ryan Cole said in the beginning, you're literally producing something based on something that's no longer here. Now, whether you believe, as he even says, I'll show you in a minute. That means that was never here, which is certainly a valid thing to consider. Or that we're just talking about an original thing that has mutated so many times that's not even remotely the same, which they'll tell you in another discussion. And then yet giving somebody something based on a genetic sequence from a computer screen that is hypothetically based on this original thing. That's all on their own data. Anyone honest can see that you, if that's actually what's happening, you're producing something and antibody that's not even correct to what you're currently dealing with. That's going to create antibody-dependent enhancement. It can, anyway. So when they talk about the next generation, if that's the case and we're rushing there, which is what they're saying, why are they still forcing and pressuring people to get the first one? Even though we can see they're going, oh, it doesn't matter. As long as you get the booster, then you're safe. Oh, so I have to go one, two, three, and then possibly four just to be safe for a couple of months. And in the time between all of that, the two weeks in between every one, I'm in extra increased risk. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And we all see that. Further down the road, the panel of FDA, the, uh, of the FDA outside vaccine advisors is scheduled to meet later this month to weigh data from the new booster candidates. That's not a new booster, and that's how they're tricking people. A booster implies it's the same part, it's an additional part of the same series. 
If you're making an entirely new injection, it's not a booster. That's a new vaccine or a new genetic therapy, which is what it is. So this is how they're going to trick these people. Oh, just get the new booster. And if you don't even pay attention, you'll think it's the same thing. You won't even listen. The same reason the original early on people didn't even know it was mRNA. They thought it was just normal injection because they were blindly following what the media told them, which was lying to you about how, no, this is a normal thing. It's a totally normal. 20 years, 20 years have been doing this. They're lying to people. Not that they haven't been working on these experimental things for a long time, but they've been failing over and over, but that this wasn't the same thing they've always got. So here, a new booster produced by Pfizer, of course, as well as Moderna. They're rushing out new things based on whatever they think the current state is. But in three months, when that's when this is going to come out, who knows what's going to happen then? And they'll still as hell push those on people, whether or not it's the right thing. They've been doing it this whole time. Biotech executives told investors last month that regulators had asked to see data for both shots specifically adapted to Omicron variants in addition to the ones they're calling bivalent vaccines, which these are the universal ones, at least the beginning steps of them we keep telling you about. The same thing that Gottlieb had conversations about this with Fauci and the universal flu vaccine long before. Oh, wait, no, excuse me. It was it. Um, shoot, I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden. Azar. I don't want to misquote the names. People in the past of the Trump administration were discussing this exact discussion before this ever happened. Universal injections with a target to target a blend of mutations. So now we're just taking a step on top of an experimental thing that has not even been vetted out or proven and making it even more experimental. And guess what? They're going to pretend like it's already been tested because you already took it. It's not the same thing. Mark said that the bivalent shots seemed likely to be favored. Oh, big surprise. Given the wiggle room it could offer for unforeseen variants beyond Omicron. And then how do we know, how long do we know when, when it, I mean, they're going to pretend it works for variants because they're going to say that. Even though that's, how could you possibly know that when the next thing comes around? It says, I do believe that potentially by the 2023-2024 season, we'll start to see second-generation SARS-CoV-2 vaccines. So, good. So, what they're saying is by 2023, we'll still be doing this. By 2024, you'll still be doing this. You'll still be making and giving and having to take SARS-CoV-2 injections. Yeah, but two weeks to flatten the curve, though, right? They're never going to make you do these things. Yeah, it's been a long time since that happened, huh? Well, here's more evidence. Thanks to the D train for making this video even gives us, gives T lab a shout in there because he's, he's one of the people that, that showed me the only person in fact, that showed me this I was really happy to find this. I'll come back to it. The definitions, but here's what he found. New South Wales surveillance reports. And before I get to it, which does show you the breakdown, unlike the UK reports, unlike Scotland or unlike the CDC or anybody else for the most part, Here's what it says right here, which I find very interesting. There were 98, this is just a one death report, or excuse me, one death, one week report. There were 98 COVID-19 deaths reported this week, as of, this is the May 28th week. Of those, 97 of 98 were eligible for a third dose. Oh, so had they just gotten the third one, they'd be good. That's what they probably want you to think. But 97, 99 point something percent. Of everyone that died in that week was people with injections. Two. Two of them, in fact. But then it goes on to say, only 64 of them, 66%, had received a third dose. That's incredible. 97 were eligible for a third dose. Out of 98 total deaths. Now, again, here's my point. They're going to say, well, it's because most people there are injected. Well, here's the actual breakdown. I knew I was going to mix this up a little bit. One second. 
So there's 8.166 million people in New South Wales. So if we're talking about that leaves, so basically that leaves, if you're, uh, see, I knew I was going to mix this up. So if we're looking at, where was that? Here. So this says 63.8% of New South Wales have gotten their third dose. So that leaves just under 3 million people who don't have that third dose. Just under 3 million. So if we're talking 97 out of 98, and we're talking about in general that the third dose would save them, we're talking about a gigantic portion of people that should be at risk. But you could take it even further and argue that we're talking about million, uh, at the very least, we're talking about a million plus type people that are not in fully injected as they would frame it, being the people at the most risk. My point is simply that you would not expect it to be one if that's even one, we're talking about people that are eligible for the third. But here, taking it to this to make it more obvious to see. Oh, see, now I knew I'd mix myself up. Coming back to that, remember the point being that you would expect it not to be 99% of people with three doses. If you've got millions of people that are uninjected, you would have a higher representation if what they tell you is true, that they're the most at risk. And yet these people are super protected, yet you're representing the vast majority. It doesn't make much sense. But here's the contradiction before we go into the New South Wales data is that here's Greg North. This is from December 29, 2021, just so you can see that. But Boris Johnson said that over 90% of people in the ICU on ventilators are fully vaccinated, but not boosted though. So just get the booster and you'll be good. It's the only reason they're even in there. See, this is the contradiction. And down here, they're talking about, well, if you want your, you know, to go to these places, you got to get your booster. But how does that, this, now we're hearing, well, the boosted Americans seem to be getting more infections, but it's only because they're over the top. These things don't add up together. Up to 90% of COVID patients are unboosted. Now, here is the New South Wales data. This, again, is the report from ending in May 28th. And this is what the D-train was pointing out. So we can see the dose breakdown. So here's no dose. No injections whatsoever. Now, what you can see here is admitted to hospital so that's with COVID-19 or whatever they claim is or think they have it or whatever. So to the point to where they were admitted to the hospital, not ICU, not emergency room, but sick enough to where they had to go to the hospital. Admitted to the ICU is emergency room. Possible ventilator kind of stuff, which is the last thing anybody should want at this point. But that's serious. Then we have death. So no dose. Only saw one person in this week go to the hospital only saw two people go to the emergency room and only saw 14 people die. No dose whatsoever. However, people with three doses, there were 58 deaths, 18 emergency room visits, and 210 hospitalizations. Over four doses, I mean, 46 more hospitalizations, less deaths in general, but this is my point on the four doses are still in the process. This is why Scotland... After that three-month period, you, get, you begin to see this tally. And that's what we're seeing after three doses right now, which is what I told you would happen. Now, to their argument, they're going to say, well, you're going to see more people. Not, they don't want you to think deaths. They're just thinking cases. But they're going to pretend it makes sense you're going to see, which is what? Which is 83%, by the way. Oh, wait, am I adding that? Oh, okay, so you add up all these together, which is what I tend to do, which what you should do. You add up all of them, three dose, four dose, two dose, one dose. Versus 14, which is no dose. So people that have injections in the body, people that don't. 
It's only 17% of the deaths in this week were people with no doses. 17. 83% of all the deaths were people that had injections in their body. Which, so bought, but that's 80, so 60, so I think it's about 60% of that 83% are people with three doses. I'm just doing that roughly in my head, 80, 58. The point is, though, guys, this is very obvious. That if the very, even if you want to pretend that the number, and it would make sense, the number would be a little bit higher because it was a higher amount of people. Again, going back to the percentages, we're talking 65, wherever that was. <laughs> I mixed myself up earlier and apologize for that. Right here. 63% three dose, 95% second dose. But you still have a, a large amount of the population. Because like 5 to 11 is 37, 79. This, this was 16 and over. The point is, you that would not, with uh, that many people, would not end up being only 14. It just does not add up with what they're selling you. At the very least, it shows you very clearly that the risk to people not injected is way lower than they say it is. And the risk to people with injections is way higher than they say it is. Now, that's a fair statement, even if you want to pretend that they're at lower risk of hospitalization and death. I don't even know why that would make sense to you, what you're looking at. We have to be honest about this. Now, I am open to the idea that there is an overrepresentation because it's just an obvious thing that you're going to have more people in that category. But it still does not dismiss the reality that this does not compute with what they're trying to tell everybody. Here is the week before this. And again, this is important. This is going back further. This is May 21. Same thing. Except here now, say they only added four dose, which is my point, guys. They keep shifting this down the road, but you go back, and this is what D-Train said as well, the May 21st and back then just goes to three or more doses. So it's weird. Why wouldn't you just keep doing three or more? Because it's because it's, they need to have the four or more. Like it, it, it shifts away. You take numbers away from the three dose. Here's the point. If you were to do the, this report of May 28th, Without the four or more doses, that's six more deaths in the category. That's 46 more hospitalizations in the three-dose category, right? That's why they do that. It's a manipulation of data. But nonetheless, take a look for those in the podcast. People with no dose, 14 deaths. People with three or more, 48 deaths. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Going to the next one. No dose. 15 deaths. And this is the week of May 14th versus three or more doses, 58 deaths. It's pretty interesting. It does not represent the way that they would, you would expect. Like you would, honestly, you would expect if this is the biggest pandemic in a century as we were sold and we're all super in danger. And if you don't get the injection, you're at exponentially higher risk. Well, it wouldn't be 15, right? If we're talking 100,000 people, you'd be like, it'd be hundreds because they're super in danger. Why would it amount? Why would you think 15 would make sense or 58 deaths of people that are supposed to be protected? And here, going back to the 7th, May 7th, same point, guys. You can go back as far as you want. No dose, 20. Three or more, 62. But again, remember, you're adding all these if you want to be honest about it 62 plus 17 plus 3. So you're still ending up with pretty much the same percentage. It doesn't make much sense. And the guys, the, the big point is that's continued to stay stagnant in regard to the percentage breakdown, regardless of how many people continue to get more injections. That shows you something, doesn't it? Now, here is the breakdown of, in a general sense, Australia, 
which I find very telling. Look at this amount. So they're claiming they've had 7.43 million cases. Now, again, because we are going to be objective and honest with you, which they won't say what they want to make a point in their own way, is that those cases might not be COVID-19. That's an obvious reality because of PCR tests, because of their liberal case reporting. I mean, it's all there. But again, arguing from within their narrative, the point is 7.3 million cases, but only 8,749 deaths. Now, any death is sad and shouldn't happen, blah, blah, blah. The point is that's still factual to see the breakdown. And what does that amount to? If my math is correct, about 0.1%, which is less than the flu. But, you know, fake news because we don't want to acknowledge that it's going to be impossible to end up looking back unless they alter, which we're seeing them do, a lot of the standing past data at a time when nobody's paying attention to that. But just New South Wales, 3,236. So that is, let's see. Yeah, that looks, so that's even less, right? It's about to, well, maybe it's pretty close, actually. It's pretty close. In any case, it's a very small percentage in the breakdown of the risk of what we're talking about of other problems or the fact that this is a risk that is higher in a lot of ways when you add it. Well, I mean, when you the way to say that is when you add in all the risk, all the super rare things in a large pile, it's the risk is higher. And this is being proven by a lot of experts out there that are being open about this. Now, again, here's that video if you want to check it out. But it was a, it was a great, just great job breaking this stuff down. Gives a shout out as well and references this as well. As well. And this should, be, this should be something, I can't believe how this one thing hasn't become the most obvious ongoing, the continuity of this. How it just never stops being this obvious. It blows me away. Because their argument is it... it dramatically protects them from hospitalization and death, right? Well, this hospitalization is what you're looking at right here. And this is Ontario. And guys, I've been doing this for, what, four months? More than that? This specific part of it? And it's never not been like, it's only gotten worse. The breakdown right now for people in Ontario, June 5th, in the ICU. So that means that they were so sick, they thought, they claimed it was COVID. They tested or thought it was, whatever. So sick that they had to be emergent, they had to put in the emergency room, the ICU, the critical care unit. 60 of these cases are people with fully injected, whatever that category means. We'll get into that next. Fully injected. Four partially. 10 uninjected. That is more than 75% at any given moment in the ICU are people with multiple injections in their body. And don't forget, as D-Train also pointed out, that the unvaccinated definition is a lie. Not fully vaccinated is not the same as un, as not injected. It literally lists in here people that have doses in their body. So then why would you have that under unvaccinated, but also the same thing listed under partially? Because you're being deceived. It's never, I can't believe they leave this like this. It's so obvious. You have the same thing listed in two different categories. That is so they can go back and forth. H- how much you want to bet? It's because most of these end up in this category. It's my thought. In any case, there's no way to stand back and look at this and say that makes sense. Especially when you realize when you do the same breakdown of the numbers that it's overrepresented. It should doesn't make sense, especially if this is the last thing they should be dealing with. It should be a if you're going to have 75% of the population injected, let's say, to see 85% of that group in the ICU doesn't add up when you say that that's the smallest factor, that it should make it almost impossible for them to go to the hospital or die. If they've got the injection, what you would argue is you, if you have 75% of the population that you would see a larger than it should be percentage, maybe five, 10%. That's what the argument actually is. They just don't really dive into it. 
When you see 80 to 90% of the problem, that's not because you've got 75% of the population injected. That's just basic, basic common sense. And the hospital, not even ICU, just the hospital, more than 75%. It's the same thing. 412 just in this week injected. Now, by the way, this is never not there. This is what somebody else tried to use to go, oh, look, that's why. It'll be updated on Monday. You don't know what you're talking about. And I came back a week later and said, okay, now what? And I just moved the goalpost and said, you don't understand. These aren't dangerous. I said, wait a minute. We're not even getting into that. Address the point. Did it or did it not update? And they just wouldn't go back to it. They will not see what's in front of them if they are politically invested for one reason or another. This is obvious. And as if it needs to be any more obvious, again, here's the study we pointed at many times, that they tried to sidestep and go, no, it's it's a blip and it's a it's a it's a uh, uh, what's the word? An anomaly and it's a one thing, you know, it, 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 it'll go away with the next report. Nope, it didn't. And it's still there. And everyone they did has continued to show the same thing, which is that your risk of getting sick, or rather just the, how your immune system operates here, is you have negative efficacy after three months. And don't forget the study that they put out, which showed you that your increased risk of any infection goes above. You have an increased, you have a, a negative efficacy of getting any infection for the first week with mRNA injections. And that's supposed to be, and that's why we see this huge spike in the beginning. And that's also why they don't include the first 21 days when they report this stuff. They bump it all back into uninjected. That's why, because they know that's there. But then on top of that, after three months, which again, I've been telling you three months for how long now, guys? How many things have we called out like this long before we got here? And of course, the mainstream wannabes jump on it and act like we discovered it. We're the only ones talking about that. This is your breakdown. And this is the study yourself. Read it for yourself. I've gone over this many times. And I I first saw this from Ezra from Rebel. This is an important clip. 76% negative efficacy after 90 days. And again, this is relative risk reduction, which why 55% relative risk reduction from one to 30 days is even valid, let alone 36%, which immediately puts them out of contention for emergency authorization. But nobody cares about the facts and what's legal. We just keep going forward, safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. It's all that it doesn't matter. That right there should be enough to immediately pull this off the shelf. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So, as we know, it increases your risk both in the beginning and the end, and in general, because of all the other side effects that it can cause. And the fact that this is very obviously showing that in the data, the question really becomes what is stopping people from seeing this? Maybe it's because we all see it and we just are still convinced that there's somebody out there that doesn't believe it. And that's just what the media is telling us. Are we being gaslit by their narrative? Cer- certainly something we should ask right now. Is all it really, do, does it all, all we really need is just to collectively stand up and say, stop? To literally stand up and say, nope, no more. Everybody simultaneously makes them, I mean, the point is it's hard to do. We'll be censored, we'll be attacked. I truly believe most people see this, guys. Now, getting into the definition, this is one of the most ridiculous parts of this. Is we, we don't even address this anymore. They use the term fully vaccinated all over the place like we know what that means. Well, everybody seems to have a different perception of that. We just kind of pause it at two, two injections or one, depending on what you got, and then we just up to date from now on forever. Well, eventually that's going to change because it's going to become impossible to enforce at that point. That's what they're waiting for. They need the infrastructure, the enforcing arm to be able to push this further. But here's this is this is from Australia. We just talked about New South Wales. You are considered fully vaccinated if you have completed a course 
including a mixed dose schedule of an approved vaccine. What's a course? Two injections, Pfizer, Moderna, one of the other ones. That's what they're talking. That's still, that is as of today. So you need to ask yourself again, when we go back to this information or, or the, how they grade these things or how they control, they break this down, right? I mean, that's what we're looking at right here. This is New South Wales, 60% fully vaccinated. Does that mean 60% have two shots? Does that mean 60% are fully up to date? That matters. I mean, it really does matter in how they, how they break this down and what they force people to do. Ask yourself this. If, it's, if you're supposed to be up to date to be safe, why then do you only need two to be able to go on a plane or to do other things? With none, of that, none of that should be required. But the point is that if that's the case and they're otherwise telling you that you need those to be safe, why is that allowing you to do the things that pass, bypass the restrictions? Because it's obviously just about control and it's not really about anything being safe because that doesn't make sense. I mean, they're the ones telling you that this d- drops off after three months. That's what their own data shows you. So if they're the ones going, look, it doesn't work after this period of time, that it actually stops being effective. That's why you need something after three months. Then why wouldn't they force it? Now, obviously, I'm not suggesting that they should because that's obviously illegal and a violation of your rights. But my point is that their logic is that this is forced and it has been up until now because it's for your safety. But now we're going, but look, we know and can scientifically prove that this stops being effective after this time period. But go ahead and take just two after and six months later, get on a plane. No big deal because you're complying. Anybody make sense of that? I mean, we can see how dishonest this is because that doesn't make sense. But it doesn't matter because as long as you're doing what you're told, they'll leave you alone. Here is the U.S. vaccine uptake. Look, 67.2%. Well, that's jumped up to 70 and down again, and they're changing something. Now, honestly, I don't even know why, because it doesn't even make sense if we're looking at 62%. It's the same point. Is that two shots? Is that four? Fauci's got four, doesn't he? Well, here's what Mayo Clinic says right now. Mayo Clinic, Mayo Clinic. May 19, 2022. This This is regarding the United States. After you're fully vaccinated, you can more safely return to doing activities that you might not have been able to do because of the pandemic. Great. So that's what they're talking about. Oh, you can go to the beach, you can go on planes, you can get the bus, you can go to the store. No big deal. Okay, so what is fully injected then? You're considered fully vaccinated, injected two weeks after you get a second dose of your mRNA injection or two weeks after a single. Considered up to date with your vaccines, if you have gotten all recommended COVID injections, including booster doses when you become eligible. Okay, so again, this is the absurd part of it. So their data is showing you that if you wait, let's see, let's say you got your two doses and you're six months after that. Let's say you're three and a half months after that. Well, their data shows you that not only are you at increased risk, but you are, well, not only are you not protected, but you're at increased risk of getting other infections, including whatever they're calling COVID. And by the way, those are the people that are spreading it by times four, at least in the UK, in most every category. So not only are you spreading it more than anybody, willing able to catch it more than anybody, you're at increased risk to all all sorts of other things as well. That's what their data shows you. Then they're using that quietly behind it to drive you to get the next one. But yet here we are looking at the information as of May 19th that says you're good after two doses in regard to getting on a plane, flying anywhere else around the world, crossing other restriction barriers. Even though we will tell you that means that you're more at risk to share and catch and spread. Makes sense, doesn't it? Almost like they want this to keep happening. Fully vaccinated people will still get COVID-19. Yeah, exactly. People with vaccine breakthrough infections may spread COVID-19 to others. Yeah, okay. So all that being said, 
Why would they stop? I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you I know exactly for sure. I've got plenty of opinions. But all we do know is that even within their narrative, that doesn't make sense. And here is the CDC. When you look at their most updated report on vaccines staying up to date, guess what? There's only one mention of the word fully in this entire report, fully vaccinated. And it says down here, well, vaccination outside the U.S. Well, learn more about when people vaccinated outside the U.S. are considered fully vaccinated. So they're more than willing to point at what other people consider fully vaccinated. Isn't that funny? But nowhere in here will you actually find definitions about what it actually means. They want you to be confused. They want to see who's going to go along with suggested recommendations for being up to date for safety. Just up until they force the next one. My opinion, anyway. And it says, you are considered up to date. Oh, well, they're giving you definitions of that ambiguous term. Up to date if you have completed your primary series, but are not yet eligible for a booster. Okay, so how about that? How about if you are eligible for a booster? Well, it's just up to date. But completed your primary series, so one or two, but you're not yet eligible. So that's up to date for those people. Weirdly enough, also considered fully vaccinated in their weird categories. But it says you have received one booster, you are not recommended to get a second booster, then you're up to date there. If you receive one booster, but you're not yet eligible for two, well, interesting. So the bottom line is it means different things for different groupings of different categories of different immunocompromised or pregnant or it's all over the map. But yet they're still holding on to two or one, depending on the injection, being fully. Which, by the way, is literally contradictory. You can't be fully vaccinated yet not up to date. It just doesn't make sense. It says people who recently had COVID-19 may consider delaying their next vaccine dose by three months from when their symptoms started. Or if they had no symptoms when they first received a positive test. Reinfection is less likely in the weeks and two months after infection. That is a clumsy... What about natural immunity? It doesn't even count. They don't even consider it in their discussions. Despite the fact that, that in general, what we've seen over and over is that these continue. And yes, this has been shown past Omicron, that ultra-potent antibodies against diverse and highly transmissible variants. That This, this study, peer-reviewed on science, huge science.org outlet, says very clearly in its conclusion, they demonstrate that people that have recovered from COVID-19 with the, with the original strain, Produce antibodies that cross-neutralize emerging variants of concern with high potency. Structural and functional analyses revealed that antibody, uh, basically that bottom line is that it goes on to say selective boosting immune, uh, may induce breath against current and future variants of concern. Now, this has gone, you can read the study for yourself. It talks about the original strain, but it also talks about people that got sick from Delta and so on. And it's continued to show that you've produced antibodies and T-cell and MRB for, for whatever's come next. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be the same for the next one, because who ultimately knows? But this has continued to prove out that natural immunity from the very beginning, which, by the way, the science and peer-reviewed JCI Insights and others have shown that the majority of uninfected adults had immunity already. This was March 15th. A majority of uninfected adults show pre-existing antibodies. So my point is, we, before this ever even started, most people already had antibodies, already had some level of immunity. And they, they, 
they theorized whether that was because of the common cold, the old SARS before this, or whether COVID was circulating before we talked about it, all of which are possible. None of it even matters when you just realize that most people already had something, and yet they forced this on you anyway, which probably called caused antibody-dependent enhancement or molecular mimicry or pathogenic priming in most of these people, but who cares? That's what we're watching happen to them right now. Most people had it before this ever came around. And then you, that's my point. So most of them are continuing to produce antibodies to variants of concern. That's assuming they didn't put an injection in their body that destroyed their immune system. It's always been there. So when they're talking about this, as if, well, we know that after three months it goes away, they're only talking about what we just discussed in regard to the injection and what they know it go, that happens after three months. Yet in other conversations, they'll call this fake news because we don't understand. But here they are. It's exactly what they're saying. Reinfection is less likely in the weeks and months after the infection. They talk about a three-month period by three months. But down here, oh, I think that was the last part in this. Bottom line is, just stay up to date. What is that? Whatever we say it is, whenever we say it. That's it. They are driving us into a position where, as I keep saying, nothing means everything, everything means nothing. It's just simply what they say. You have to follow their edict in the moment. Otherwise, you lose your social credit score. Now, here is the U.S. COVID-19 tracker. See your state's progress, which just lists fully vaccinated. So we don't even get to really know where people are at in regard to, and that's going back to this point in regard to the U.S. What does that mean? What's the real percentage? What's the percentage of people that are following along with your edicts? Who's gotten two shots, three shots, four shots? We want to know this stuff. You don't just get to lump it all into fully vaccinated and not show us what's happening. Do you know why that's happening? Because I can promise you that people aren't going along. In Scotland, we saw the, the fourth dose literally flatline. People were so done with this, they just didn't even... And why? If we saw them get the third... You would think people that went all the way to three would get another one. But no, people, even the ones that were originally on board, they are walking away from this. It's time to stand up and see that we have taken control of this and we need to just acknowledge that. As people... And by the way, it's what's funny is people might frame that as a, as a contentious statement. Taking control of what? The American people. Control of the government. Because that's how this is supposed to work. Right? Aren't we the living embodiment of their... Uh, they're supposed to be the living embodiment of our collective will. Our, we're the constituency and they're supposed to be acting on what we believe and none of that's true. And then when you point that at the way it should be, you're a terrorist. <laughs> Great. Freedom. Point is, guys, this is quite obvious. And they're manipulating you on the definitions, on the risk, on everything you could possibly see. And there's plenty of information out there to show you the reality. As Jesse Kelly points out, and we've gone over almost in depth, 55,000 pages of these Pfizer documents that they desperately did not want you to see, tried to last it out for years, revealing shockingly bad things about the health risks, and the American media is still more worried about you not being forced to take it. The risks are undeniable. As he points to this, the state of Florida literally threatened the Special Olympics with over a $27 million fine because the organization had a vaccine requirement as it, as at its games in Orlando this weekend. Late yesterday, the Special Olympics pulled the requirement. $27 million fine because they had a requirement. Now, this is a good thing, but my point is that at the end of the day, I don't trust what Florida and the state of Florida is actually trying to accomplish here. Just my opinion. But nonetheless, it's a good thing to see that they're pushing back on these people. Why you would require Special Olympics, of all places, to force an injection on people at a time when, I mean, you could go, I mean, the bottom line is they're in a category of in and of themselves in a lot of times. Not necessarily everybody in the Special Olympics, but a lot of them would fall under a category that would make them at higher risk. And their own documentation shows you that that's not safe. 
Now here is the breakdown of the video. Let's see where we're at about one twelve. We're looking good. So here's a video. Bright Light News. I'm familiar, not familiar with the outlet. I haven't seen them before, but they they shared this video. Looks like it was their interview. So give them a shout out for the work. Let's take a listen. I just want to share a couple, a couple parts of this. Play it by ear, though. I think let's let it play for a minute. But I want to show you some of the things that's being stated here that are being stated here. And I'll tell you right now that everything I've heard in this that we have that we have discussed before. And it's because of people like Dr. Cole that we have gotten this information in front of you. Now, let's take a listen. And this is, guys, exactly what is happening. And you've heard most of this from me. Dr. Ryan Cole, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Good to be here with you. So Dr. Cole is a pathologist. He is a doctor's doctor who helps come up with diagnoses for other healthcare providers examining bodies and body tissues. Dr. Cole, in your uh, opinion, you have been looking at the vaccines what is the greatest threat, what is the greatest harm that you're seeing coming from this? Because you've been sharing some alarming data, uh, becoming known as, as America's heartthrob at the same time. <laughs> uh, what would you say is the thing that is most concerning to, to people? The most concerning thing is that we're continuing on doing something that doesn't work for something that doesn't exist. So the, the shots have not, never been reformulated. They were made to cover Wuhan. Wuhan is gone, Omicron's here. The shots are now all risk, no benefit. This is a modality we've never used on humanity before, a lipid nanoparticle with a gene sequence in it. This is technically a gene-based product. It is not a traditional vaccine. Traditionally, vaccines, even against coronavirus, has never worked. What we're seeing with this are severe adverse reactions. Everybody hears about myocarditis. What they don't hear is that a lipid nanoparticle plus a modified gene sequence is a nuclear bomb. It's not just that this COVID shot is dangerous for people, it's this platform of lipid nanoparticle plus gene sequence has never been proven before. And what we're finding is immune suppression. We're finding increase in cancer rates because of that immune suppression. We're finding reactivation of viruses because of that immune suppression. And I, I won't get into all the detailed mechanisms of why I've studied this. We're seeing deaths from this shot at a rate uh, higher than any medical product ever used on humanity before. None of these are approved. We are literally doing the largest experiment on humanity ever done, not knowing the long-term outcomes. We only have a year and a half's data and we have in the VAERS system, 30,000 deaths, well over a million adverse reactions. We know that that system highly underreports. In the Eurovigilance data, we have millions of adverse reactions. We have countless, countless deaths from around the world. And in addition to that, we have all-cause death higher now in those who have received these shots than those who didn't. So we know there are very bad signals from this experimental therapy. And in addition to that, we know that this gene sequence, normally a message or a messenger RNA in our body, you're making messages right now, I am, we're making proteins all day long. That message goes away in a minute or two, or sometimes an hour or two if you need to make more protein. What's happening with this, it's persisting in the body. Studies out of Stanford show it's persisting at least 60 days. You mentioned my colleague, Dr. Burkhardt in Germany. In his studies, he found that spike still being deposited in blood vessel walls 120 days later. This is a dangerous product with no track record being used willy-nilly on humanity for a virus that no longer exists 
that does nothing but cause increased disease in those who now get additional series of these shots. So that's a long-winded answer, but those are all big concerns I have. What are some of the greatest harms that you're seeing in terms of pathology? Uh, the greatest harms are really across the board. Um, that lipid nanoparticle is like garlic. Once you stick it in the arm, it goes anywhere in the body, so it can damage the brain. Lipid nanoparticles were originally designed to take chemotherapy or potential gene agents to the brain. Where do you want, not want a toxin replicating itself? In your brain. So neurologic damage seems to be the highest one that we don't hear about in the news. Everybody hears about heart damage. My biggest concern is what we are persistently, chronically doing to induce permanent organ damage in people that may never get that back. The children are putting this needle with this gene in their arm is nothing short of child abuse anywhere in the world. Wrong shot, wrong protein, wrong virus. With a lipid nanoparticle that we don't know where it's going to land, we do know it goes to their ovaries. We do know that these kids most have had COVID. You never give a vaccine to someone who's recovered from a disease. Scientifically illogical. So brain, heart, any organ, don't touch the children, it's abuse. Now, there is a substance, there's an ingredient in there. Oh, polyethylene glycol 2000. Right. Which Remember, this was James Lyons-Weiler, who really called this out early on before anybody. Peg, polyethylene glycol. He was screaming about this. He did, did the study, did the research. It was way, way, way ahead of this, and he's completely right. And of course, most likely will never get the credit for actually being the person to, that's just how this works because they will never truly admit that it's the case. You'll always have a faction of people out there, unless we change this, that are going to shout him down and say, you're a conspiracy theorist and you don't understand. He's obviously right. Polyethylene glycol, is, and here, I'll let Cole continue to talk about it. It's, it's um, alarming how many of these steps along the way have been told to you by people that were being honest, that have the credentials, and they just got shouted down by people on Twitter. Which has been meant and created to evade the body's own immune system. Correct. But about 70 to 80 percent of people already have an antibody against polyethylene glycol. Correct. Oh, polyethylene glycol 2000. Right. Which has been meant and created to evade the body's own immune system. Correct. But about 70 to 80 percent of people already have an antibody against polyethylene glycol. So when you hear of individuals dying immediately after their shot, it's because they're already pre-primed with an allergy to polyethylene glycol. So again, there, there are particles in these lipids that if you, if you read the data from Acuitas in Canada that makes the majority of the world's lipid nanoparticles, they indicate clearly not for human use for research only. And we've talked about that. And of course, you know, you get the same kind of couched arguments that they were told to repeat. It's very clear. This stuff is very clear. And meanwhile, they're using them on billions of people around the world. What's scary is I think a lot of people realize that the spike protein is causing harm, but also the lipid nanoparticle is both. something that, yeah, and now it's both factors. And what are you seeing with the spike protein in terms of how it's affecting the immune system and people's health? Sure. The spike protein gets into your very important immune cells, your T cells. Studies out of Sweden showed that it gets in there and inhibits the ability for DNA repair. And that leaves two pathways in the cell, either self-destruction, apoptosis, or mutation. 
We're seeing an increase of leukemias and blood cancers. And mutation, I would argue, could lead to something like a variant discussion, right? But And this is dr- so many different angles that's driving that, including the research in the past of what leaky vaccines can cause and create, or in general, the mass vaccination can cause and create. It's all there in the past. You know, it's funny how COVID-19 literally changed science in every possible way or really changed the way we talk about the facts around the science. But all the history is there. <laughs> Only in COVID land do the unvaccinated suddenly start causing variants despite the fact the correlation of administration with the injection perfectly correlates with explosion of variants. And weirdly during 2020, there was no real talk of variants. It's not funny how that works when there was no injection. It was suddenly the injections were given and, oh, it's all the unvaccinated causing all the variants that we only just now started talking about. After the rollout of these shots, the spike protein gets into mitochondria, which is the powerhouse of your cell and neural tissues. And when that happens, now your cells can't breathe properly and can't make appropriate membranes for themselves, can't make appropriate proteins, can't breathe properly, which means these cells are equivalent to the respiratory effect of a brain tumor. So we know it's damaging those as well. That spike protein can get into um, your liver cells as well. We know that the sequence itself can reverse transcribe in vitro studies, can reverse transcribe and become part of your DNA. Exactly. If it can do it in the liver, it can do it in any part of your body. We don't have the studies to prove that yet because nobody's funding them. That sp- spike protein induces the same inflammation in the heart, in the lungs, in the kidneys, in the liver, in the bone marrow that the disease itself was causing. And now we're giving a sequence to make individuals' bodies a spike protein toxin factory. Now, any cell that makes that spike now becomes a target of your own immune system. Now, your natural killer cells come in to destroy your own cells. Spike protein toxin factory disease itself was causing. And now we're giving a sequence to make individuals' bodies a spike protein toxin factory. Wall Street and biotechnology companies have been very excited about this idea. And what essentially it is, is trying to hack the cells in the body in order to make them into drug factories. Now, any cell that the liver, in the bone marrow, that the disease itself was causing. And now we're giving a sequence to make individuals' bodies a spike protein toxin factory. Now, any cell that makes that spike now becomes a target of your own immune system. Now your natural killer cells come in to destroy your own cells. The spike is the toxin, and we made a shot that makes your body the toxin factory. Hmm. Now I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and leave it there. I recommend you watch the rest of it; it's outstanding. And I'm just I, it, again, if you've been following this channel, we have discussed almost everything that go, they go over, and this is some high-level scientific stuff. I'm not pretending to be an expert on all of this, but I have objectively covered what other experts like himself have been telling you, and it's been there. It has been there since the very beginning. It's that, it's that incredible. Now, and here's a couple of things we already just played the other day, but just to add to this, we can add, we can include this as well because it's, this is from a different angle, but still just as valid. We do see a 1,100% increase in all-cause morbidity and mortality. That means something systemic has caused this problem. So you would see a natural, uh, actually an abnormal increase in all-cause cancer, um, heart issues, inflammation issues, blood clotting, 
and, and I can actually send you what that looks like on a per malady basis. But when you see all of them arising to, to hundreds of percentiles in a class of people who are physically fit from 1845, these are all military people, there is only one cause for that. And that is the destruction of their immune system. So that is the vaccine-induced autoimmune deficiency syndrome. We know this now. In fact, it's, it's in science all around, and the Israelis, uh, you know, they're ahead of everybody else. They, they already published papers on this. Everybody knows that. So short, the short answer to this whole thing is that everybody that got the shots was given some form or level of AIDS, autoimmune deficiency syndrome. Now, the rest of that clip is just more of this information. That's the CEO of a large insurance company. And it's just telling you what they're seeing. It's as simple as that. I mean, this is undeniable what's happening. And the, a doc, there's one of the uh, Dr. Wolf, Wolfgang, I believe, is with him in that discussion. Very highly credentialed expert. I mean, this is undeniable. They're causing this problem and try, ignoring what's happening in front of them. Now, here is Dowd, uh, Edward Dowd. Pointing at similar information. And this is an interesting one. He says, evidence of crime of democide, you know, death by your government. There's database, all the information, CDCL cause mortality, 40% rise in insurance death claims. What's interesting. And now, and this is on top of these other ones, funeral uh, company results up nice, uh, up nicely in 2021, 2020, 22, DOD data leaks on huge percentage increases in adverse events. But this is disability stats from U.S. Bureau of Labor. Disability. Now, you could argue there's other possible reasons, and that's always fair. But you can look here, and this is showing you a dramatic spike from 2020 up to 2022 of a population with a disability 16 years or older. I mean, it's really hard not to see. I mean, this is the first. Look at that sharp spike. That's just from 2020 to 2021. But we can see that it's continued. It's gone up even more to right now, to May, or to technically May 2022. The very least, why we wouldn't talk about that, right? They're willing to compare excess mortality of previous years, even though we know there's this 300,000 dump at the end of the year by the administration that no one wants to talk about. Oh, we're, we're correcting the numbers. The bottom line is this has been fudged and we can see this now and they're pointing this stuff out. But why then we see this dramatic spike of disabilities from 2020 forward, higher than it's ever been. And it's continued to go even higher to this day or from there to this. Don't we care what's causing that? Who maybe maybe it's not COVID, maybe it's not injections, maybe it's something else, but don't we care? Well, no, because I think they know that's what's causing it, so they're choosing not to look at it. Bottom line is there is just an endless amount of this kind of information that's pointing, that's showing you that something is wrong. And yet when you realize that nobody's caring to dissect it because they don't want to acknowledge or even consider what could be causing it, that shows you everything. This is very clear what's happening. As he put a nuclear bomb, this, this it ever that's just two angles of this, but it's converging to really hurt your body. Now we just talked about this in regard to myocarditis, as he, as Cole puts it, it's not just myocarditis, but that's one of the most obvious, and it's an easy stand to take because they have admitted that it's possible. It's way more than possible. It's in fact exponentially dangerous for those that have taken these injections. And here's the point we just made the other day before we get into the new information: is this is another peer-reviewed study. That's finding that people that are uninjected have no increased risk of myocarditis. 
April 15th, peer-reviewed, post-COVID-19 infection was not associated with either myocarditis or pericarditis. We did not observe an increased incidence of, my, of either of them in adult patients recovering from COVID-19. Now, the point is, guys, that the bottom line is that they are finding and have admitted to an increased risk of myocarditis for those that take the injection. So now if we're finding the science that's coming to the conclusion that there is no increased risk outside of that situation, then you are giving people an increased risk of a very serious heart problem in a situation where most of them are not at risk of COVID-19. But you know what? Facts aren't on the table today. It's only about narrative. Well, on top of that, we also pointed to another study, which we've already discussed, showing you on top of that one that link this new study links COVID vaccines to a 25% increase in cardiac arrest. And on top of that, the study is based on data from emergency services and COVID infection itself was not even linked to significant increases in cardiovascular complications. Their whole narrative is falling apart. And yet they're still pushing even harder, which shows you a lot. Here's the study itself. April 28th, increased emergency cardiovascular events among under 40 population in Israel during vaccine rollout. And we're seeing them continue to sidestep what's obvious, or at the very least, what should be the first question. Could it be the thing that we admitted can cause blood clots? The injection, which they have admitted, but super rare. But nope, you won't even see a mention of this and things like this. Women under 40 are increasingly dying of sudden killer disease of blood clots. Urgent warning to women under 40. We're baffled. We don't know what's causing this, which is what they'll say. Even while this is what reports they're finding, this is as of the third. This is June 3rd. Not only the first mRNA injections, the COVID, or the, the Moderna, the Pfizer, they're all doing this and it's dramatic. But the new one too, the new thing, the new, the new Vivax one, they just finished testing. Guess what? The FDA flags the risk of heart inflammation from the new injection. Maybe that's because it's all spike protein. Maybe that's because that's what this is doing and it's very, very obvious. But here's what it says. These events raise the concern for a causal association with the vaccine, similar to the association documented with the mRNA injections, meaning they're all associated with an increased risk. They're, it's a causal, they're, they're, this is causing heart inflammation. They'll tell you that. They'll admit it right here, but they'll just be like, but it's worse for COVID. But that's not true. This is one of the studies, but it's peer-reviewed, and it does show you that's not true. But on top of that, it's simply not true. The data from the top to bottom, from the beginning to end right now, or where we are right now, hopefully the end, continues to show you that that's not true. And on top of that, that's a risk that they would have to get, that they would have to get COVID-19 first to then gain. And that risk of getting it is very low. Once you put the shot in their arm, instantaneous risk. Very different. It's a false choice. But the point is, guys, that people, especially at the student-athlete level, are well aware of what's actually happening. And you'll find this stuff all over the country, but your media won't tell you that, depending on which media you listen to. Morris Sussex Family Practice. Now this, in fact, this is technically, uh, where was it? Well, I believe this is, this is, I believe that says New Jersey. I could be wrong. But anyway, the point is you'll find this all over the place. Student athletes, sports physicals are done primarily to make sure you are not at risk for sudden cardiac death in the playing field. Well, that's not why we ever got physicals. Now, understand that the idea of sudden cardiac death in athletes and children, they've been discussed for a long time. But what I'm going to show you next for the final point today is that they have not been discussed as something that is dramatic and rampant. This is a kind of side study about, you know, we get, you know, a couple of kids every year, a couple of athletes have these problems here and there. We want to figure out why. And in every case, it turns out, oh, they had heart disease. Oh, they had an arrhythmia. They had something. 
That's not what's happening today. This is new, both the way they're calling it and the way that it's happening, because they look in and guess what? There is no indication of any problem, which, by the way, anybody honest, such as the Pittsburgh medical examiner I've referenced in the past, would tell you that when you're dealing with vaccine, potential vaccine injury, the biggest number one red flag sign that is it could be a vaccine injury is that there's no indication of cause, which is what usually happens with vaccine injury. It doesn't look like anything caused it. It's like a perfect silent weapon, isn't it? But it goes on to say COVID vaccinations affect your risk in bold because they've admitted that. That's a, that's a true statement. In response to worldwide experience in vaccine adverse events monitoring, we are adopting a more precautionary sports physical sign-off policy. It says, if you have received doses of co- any COVID vaccine, mRNA or otherwise, we will not be able to clear you to compete in sports without performing lab work and possibly an echocardiogram to rule out potential heart damage. Are you kidding me? This is posted in public display at child sports levels, and we're pretending like there's not a problem here? Here's another one. Of course, because Ireland media, at the very least, Irish media, in some ways, tends to, well, there's a lot of different pockets you'll find this in, but here's the Irish light. Heart disease in children explodes since vaccine. Sudden deaths of children soar as media stay silent. It's everywhere, guys. The Western press is just doing their damn best to hide this from you. But as we just showed you the other day, White House just told us, guess what? First COVID-19 shots for kids under five, probably ready by June 21st, as long as they do what we tell them to do, which is the opposite of how that's supposed to work. But, you know, as the regulators authorized. Since when did the press or the White House jump ahead of the safety process? Aren't they supposed to be the ones to go, it's safe, go ahead and talk about it? No, 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 they're going, well, it's going to be out as long as they do what they're supposed to do. I thought what they're supposed to do was make sure it was safe. (laughs) I guess they're just supposed to toe the line, which is what we should know by now. And just to remind you for the thousandth time, here's the report, February 2022, the most up-to-date version from the community, rather the fake approved version that's technically there but not being released, for the Pfizer injection. It still says, as of today, interaction with other vaccines. So you're going, go ahead, kids under five, take this thing. Well, guess what we haven't done, though? Studies to determine if the co-administration of this injection, alongside other injections, are safe. They have not been performed. So you're telling me the kid that just got the flu vaccine or got a bunch of other injections because they're young and they're supposed to get 40,000 injections before they can blink? Yeah, that doesn't matter, though, whether or not they've been tested alongside this new experimental genetic therapy. Why exactly? Anybody want to speak to that? Why it doesn't matter that we don't know whether this could have a dramatically negative effect alongside literally anything? It doesn't, it's not just other vaccines. You read this document, it talks about other drugs as well. Who knows? Maybe you're taking some kind of antidepressant. Maybe that's going to have a weird effect. We don't know because they didn't test for that. How is that okay with anybody? Now, maybe it would be okay if they weren't forcing it on everybody and they say, for full disclosure, we don't know these things. Informed consent, antibody-dependent enhancement, it's all possible. And then you could choose, but then guess what? Nobody would have taken it. On top of that, long-term safety data. So go ahead and give it to your six-month-year-old because we don't know how the safety data for past six months. Long-term safety of COVID mRNA injections is unknown. Can you? I mean, I can't even believe it still says that. And right now, people are being forced to take something that we do not know the long-term safety data. That's their posting as of February 2022, a few months ago. Let's not pretend like the long-term safety data just got completed in two months. It's not done because they haven't done it. Unbelievable. As it says, they're going to follow up for two years. We're not there yet. Unbelievable. But let's give it to children, though, because narrative, right? 
Well, here's what we're seeing now, these different terms coming around. This, again, these aren't new, but the way they're being applied today is the point. This one's called sudden arrhythmic. Yeah, it is arrhythmic. Arrhythmic, maybe, because arrhythmic sounds different. In any case, an arrhythmia, as we're talking about, death syndrome, which is also SADS, which is interesting. But technically, SADS stands for sudden adult death syndrome, which is not new, again, but it's very, very odd. And it is new in the way that it's being applied to anything under the sun right now that they can't explain, which is the point. Now, realize that all of these are inappropriate. You don't call something a syndrome when you don't even know what it is. The syndrome is that your lack of understanding. We should call it lack of, under, you know, make up some kind of term, government malfeasance syndrome. The bottom line is that this is not, you, there's a bunch of syndromes now where they're just, it's a catch-all for anything we can't explain, which is going to become vaccine side effects, which by the way, it already is, guys. This, is, this has been an ongoing long-term discussion about SIDS, sudden infant death syndrome. It's, this, this is perfectly correlated with the massive introduction of the increasing vaccine schedule. So, too, are, are all the problems with children, or the it, it, uh, um, allergies and all these different things. And we just are ruining ourselves with this stuff. Now, I'm not saying that, that means that they're inherently bad. But what it means is the people involved, especially since 1986, have, they've, removed, they've removed liability. They're not responsible, so they don't seem to care. I mean, it's as simple as removing liability from a car manufacturer. Why would we pretend that they would take the extra steps? It's about profit. It's a company. The, the way that they pretend these people are altruistic and fighting for you is the way they trick some of the most bottom-of-the-barrel people that can't think past their own shoelaces. The bottom line is these people don't care about your safety. Again, it's amazing that we have to keep pointing at stuff like this, but Pfizer themselves has a pretty obvious track record of knowingly lying to you about safety. Safety-related offenses, 15 lies, $5 billion paid out in criminal action. It's right here. Vaccine, tra- this is the Pfizer tracker for violations. I've shown this a million times. Healthcare-related offenses, $3 billion. We have things like lying about what it can do, using uh, selling unapproved products as if they're viable, False Claims Act. Billions and billions and billions of dollars have flown out the door, but we're going, yeah, we can trust them. They know what's right. So back to the point. Sudden arrhythmic death syndrome is a, see, it does say SADS right there. Isn't that strange? So I guess that just became adult. You can't just use the same acronym. I think this is meant to be manipulative. It says a sudden, unexpected death of adolescents and adults, mainly during sleep. Of course, the main first point is that's rare. Well, it's not very, it's obviously suddenly no longer rare, right? It can't be rare and never, you barely see it. And then suddenly we have it happening all over the place. Well, what something changed, sort of like monkeypox is spreading like crazy all of a sudden. Well, obviously it's either not monkeypox or it's not or something is different, whether you changed it or something. But nobody wants to dive into that. That is very obvious. That's a silence is deafening kind of moment. Here's what it says. A sudden death in a young person can be caused by heart disease. And this is my point. And it goes on to list a bunch of them, including myocarditis or conduction disease, medical medication related causes or other causes. Now, that's the point. Now, of course, when you get into the idea of the medication-related causes, well, this is the interesting part about it, because in a lot of these cases, it doesn't seem to show something happening. So realize what they're saying right here. The only two things they even list off here are heart disease, and it lists off a bunch of different kinds, which, by the way, would be obvious. So you die, they investigate, and they'd be like, this was myocarditis. This was congenital heart disease. This was any number of things that we can then see. The problem today is that we're that they die, and then unless it's something like myocarditis, we don't have an explanation. 
You, you Sometimes you can see swelling of the heart, which I guess would be similar to myocarditis, but the idea being that these things, we then don't know what caused that. The problem is that these things in a lot of cases have a long, like you would be able to tell this person's been suffering from heart disease. To say this in a way too long-winded, the point is that right now what we're seeing in almost every case is we have no idea what caused this. So it's the opposite of what they're saying this is. Then the second version, medication-related causes. Oh, you mean like an injection? Now, I wouldn't necessarily call what we're giving people medication today, but that's what that would fall under. So now that we have that clarified, when we stand up and we see something that they're calling that, and we can see that it's not something, there's no indication of a problem. Well, wouldn't that then be the second thing? Wouldn't we go, well, maybe it was something they took? Why isn't that conversation being had? When that's the, the, very clearly the thing that's posted on the Wikipedia page. Isn't that strange? What goes on to say, although there is no real known definite cause, extensive research showed people 18 years or older were found to have suffered from a hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, a condition in which the heart muscle becomes oddly thickened without any obvious cause. Now, these things have happened in the past before COVID. The point is it's happening at a ridiculously high level right now, which I'll prove to you again, more so than ever before. But they're just making it clear that in general, these things, there's no real known definite cause. And it says, in the instances where people experience sudden death, in most commonly found that they were suffering from CAD, coronary artery disease, or ASCAD, which is uh, atherosclerotic coronary artery disease. I've read that before, but the point simply is that these are things that you find, right? So when ultimately you would have an autopsy and you'd be like, well, there it is. Okay, so that's clear. My point is that going forward, that's not what we're seeing. Oh, and by the way, which we're also seeing is climate change is breaking hearts, which is sort of the side joking argument. That's not really much of a joke where they're acting like a lot of this and climate change and a lot of other things are the reason we're seeing this dramatic increase, which doesn't make sense because it's not changing dramatically right now. If it ever is in the sense they're, that they're claiming. Yes, we're hurting this planet. Yes, it does change over time anyway. The point is it hasn't changed in a dramatic way that would suddenly be like, look at all these heart attacks everywhere. What has happened is a dramatic max vaccine administration campaign. And it says climate change is breaking hearts. It is literally a challenge to cardiac health. Well, that's pretty convenient, isn't it? And we should lock down for climate change and COVID-19. Look at that. Now, here's a clip that somebody, my brother actually sent me. Really short. Check this out. Ah. Hold on. I don't know why this happens sometimes. Let's see. I had to do it like this last time, I guess. <laughs> it's frustrating. Hold on. Let me just, sh I have to share it and do it. It, it I, just a quick, ex while I'm doing this, the point is these are just quick time videos and sometimes they are not allowed to play on StreamYard. Sometimes they do. Irritating as always, but I want you guys to see this. Let's see. Okay. Here we go. A summer of dreams and heartbreak, but fall ushering no end in sight. The move. So the point is, guys, that that's it's this really short. <clears throat> so what you're seeing here is the end of hotels.com. Okay, so this is some random advertisement. And in less than 10 seconds, in fact, in Eight seconds total, or technically seven seconds, all said and done. You see this guy's face. Now it says climate change. They said something about 
flames and heartbreak. Like, come on, let's not miss the obvious connection right there. A summer of flames and heartbreak. Seriously. So climate change, flames and heartbreak because, you know, cardiac arrest. And all it says is climate change isn't just a headline to Californians paid for by the nextgenclimateamerica.com or dot ink, dot ink, that's what says at the bottom. Ushering no end in sight. You know, blatant fear-mongering based on not, like, nothing verifiable in regard to what they say is going to happen next as they predict you 10 years down the line over and over and over and over. Support the California climate commitment. So, it, it, and then it, it just blips. It's very strange. Later, later is too late. The way that this is so quick, the point is it's almost subliminal. It's very interesting to me. The last part just blips in real quick and it goes. My point overall is they're shoving this down your throat. Even though even you should listen to people like Tony Heller, who has been exposing that this entire thing has been a politicized lie for the entire time. And again, hear me on this. That does not mean we're not hurting and destroying the planet in very serious ways, but it just simply does not translate into carbon tax and the way that they're bastardizing the idea in order to politicize the narrative to push other control mechanisms on you, like the Great Reset. It's very, very obvious what they're doing. But people, again, wedge issues, you know how it works. And just like we saw with Roe versus Wade, it's very quick to get people pushing against each other. <clears throat> but last point, last segment here, is the next part of it. So we're seeing the different versions of adult and death and all these different. So here, here is the sudden adult death syndrome. As she says... Why is it that most of us had never even heard of sudden death adult syndrome before 2022? And suddenly it's on its way to becoming a leading cause of death in young, healthy adults. Very strange. Now, of course, we're not saying that it's a new thing. That's a, the, the typical, you know, gleaning something without really, I, I, I hate, I'm so tired of the way Twitter is. And just, it's, it is overrun with bots, as we know, and there's no honest engagement from a lot of people, but. It's an obvious question to ask. How could it go from something that's barely on the radar to overtaking everybody? Well, obviously something changed. Exactly. Now, they would, well, maybe climate change. You know what? Maybe you're right. Obviously, I don't think that. But anything's possible. Now, how about you do the same and think, could it possibly be the injection that's known to do that? Known to cause sudden death? No, it has been reported or has caused these things. And they know, they've admitted it can do a degree. No fake news. Right. I'm willing to be objective enough to be like, you know what? Anything's possible. We should look into that. But I don't think that's the case. Data doesn't back that up and so on and so on. But won't happen in reverse because they're not objective about this. Obviously, a new injection that's been mass rushed, produced and mass given. Of course, that could be it. You could argue that you don't think it is. The data doesn't back it up and so on. But you can't say it's not possible, which is what they're doing. It just becomes painfully clear that something is, they're plugging their ears and stomping their feet. I don't want to see anything about that. Now, here's Mary Talley Bowman, MD, pointing out this is a disease I have never heard until now. Doctors, <clears throat> as it says. Oh, and uh, here's just the article itself. Woman, 31 years old, who went to gym and walked 10,000 steps a day, dies suddenly in her sleep. And what what's the cause they gave it? Sudden adult death syndrome, which, by the way, means that we don't even know what happened. But when you call it that, people go, oh, it's that. Too bad she caught that. Too bad she died from sudden adult death syndrome. No, no, she didn't. They have no clue what happened. And that's what they frame it as. They couch it with this and look away. It's like framing Bayer's is unverified. Just dump it in this open catch category and run away from it. Why don't we care why this very healthy woman who was injected could potentially have died from this? It was later determined she died from sudden adult death syndrome. SADS, 
is a condition where someone dies suddenly and unexpectedly from a cardiac arrest, but the cause can't be found. So why in the world are you calling it a syndrome? I mean, think about how ridiculous that is. Syndrome means a group of symptoms which consistently occur together or a condition characterized by a set of associated symptoms. There's not symptoms here. Death is the symptom. I mean, this is, it, this is just, you're trying to make it into something that can be seen as its own thing. Instead of the fact that we're seeing a very big problem correlated with the mass injection campaign that we can't explain without acknowledging that that's at least a possible cause. Very frustrating. Now, the point is, when you dig into the story, you can find that she worked at a place and had a job that would have guaranteed that she would have had to be injected and had to be complying to go along with this. But again, I should be clear on the fact that I can't confirm for sure whether or not she was injected. The point, though, is that this is happening across the board. And we have to also recognize the idea of the spike protein itself and the shedding of that spike protein and how that could potentially hurt others around them. As even Ryan Cole talks about in that interview, I believe, the idea how the spike protein can spread through the breast milk of a of a breastfeeding mother. So let's not pretend like this is not something, and those, and those infants die. We talked about one of those really early on. It was during one of the studies. But we know this is something that is potential. The dramatic rise in sudden adult death syndrome. Sudden adult death syndrome is on the rise, and the condition has been known to science for some time now, but we seem to have been quite seen a quite dramatic spike recently. Right. That's the that is the honest analogy there. That Yes, we've talked about this before. Now, we don't know whether that could have also been vaccine adverse events in the past that we were covering up. Certainly possible. But this Ph.D. points out, does journalism still exist? Is anyone going to investigate the new phenomenon of sudden athlete death syndrome? Another SADS. Athlete, arrhythmia, adult. It's just it's just a catch all. We're just dumping everything into this. Now, on the athlete side of this, it also is very important before we get to that. Here's the point. Lord David says, except it isn't new. Here's a paper from 2016. There are plenty more going back decades, which the title is Sudden Cardiac Death in Young Athletes. Okay, well, I don't see anywhere in there where it says sudden athlete death syndrome. Now, you may think I'm being picky or specific, but I'm not, though. This is being real. This is being objective and honest. This person is misconstruing what she's saying as if the idea that deaths can, that athletes can suddenly have a problem is not new. Well, did you even read her tweet? It's even capitalized for you, bud. It says sudden athlete death syndrome, all in capitals. That's what she's talking about. This new phenomenon of this name, sudden athlete death syndrome. That's what she's talking about. A quick look at her past research. It's obvious that she wasn't claiming that athletes having cardiac arrest was new. But you see, this is the kind of garbage response or engagement. But it gets even better. His dismissive emojis and how she doesn't know what she's talking about. This person didn't even read this. You know why I know that? Because if you actually look at it, it makes her argument for her. Sudden cardiac death in young athletes is rare but catastrophic. Exercise acts as a risk factor for SCD, which is sudden cardiac death, in people with cardiovascular disease. Okay, so we're not talking about that. We're not talking about people that already have heart disease and then suddenly die and you find that out afterward in an autopsy. We're talking about people that suddenly die at 31 and nobody can figure out why. Quite a bit different, isn't it? But it gets even better. It says sudden cardiac death in an athlete is rare, but tragic. They say that twice because that's always what it was before COVID land. American College of Cardiology defines sudden cardiac death as non-traumatic and unexpected sudden death that may occur from a cardiac arrest within six hours of a previously normal state of health. Well, that's a little, that's pretty specific. And plenty of these have been 
anything but non-traumatic. So again, they're just trying to kind of jam these all into this broad category, even though this wasn't very broad when this, because this is, this is from 2011. And within six hours of a previously, previously normal state, a lot of these people suffer, right? Have issues and complications and heart chest pains and breathing problems. And then they die in their sleep and they still have no idea what's going on. It's very obvious guys, in my opinion, what's happening here, but it goes on to say, according to the world health organization definition, sudden cardiac death, refers to an unexpected death within one hour of symptom onset, if witnessed or within 24 hours of being observed alive and symptom-free if unwitnessed. Very specific. But it says, however, this definition includes many cases of well-established acute myocarditis infarction and therefore should not be considered as sudden cardiac deaths. Look at that. So now when we have all these people that have myocarditis, we go, we should go, well, this isn't sudden cardiac death. This is a vaccine injury. But it goes on to say, exercise acts as a trigger for sudden cardiac death in people with cardiovascular disease. So then, then again, if you're talking about the injection causing that, well, then it becomes an obvious connection to realize that they were wildly healthy people that got cardiovascular disease, myocarditis out of nowhere, and then suddenly died because they were out there running and playing soccer. It's not because they were just soccer players. It's because they took something that ruined their body. But my point is many of them are dying and getting autopsies and they don't even find that. The risk for sudden death in young athletes with, with cardiovascular disease is 2.5 times higher than those not in athletes. But they need to have that disease for that to make sense. In U.S. high school and college athletes, here's my point. The incidence of sudden cardiac death has been found to be 0.5 per 100,000 participant per, participants per year. Per year. Okay, so she's standing up and making an argument about what this term being used and how new that is. But the argument is it's obviously no longer rare and, and it's happening everywhere. <clears throat> so much so, excuse me one second. So much so that they're making up new terms for it and applying them broadly. And I'm talking about the rhythmic death and all these different things. Now, my, po and my point here, though, is that he's pointing at a study that makes shows you that it's 0.5 per 100,000 participant years. Now, I'm going to come back to this in general, but recognize, guys, that right now in the United States, athletes and sports competitors, 35.9,000. That's where we are. There's 35.9,000 people considered athletes or competitors in the United States right now. Average age, 36. So that being stated, if the argument is of what he posted, that you're only going to see sudden cardiac death in 0.5 of every 100,000 participants per year, the argument should be that we should have less than one, less than one every year. Am I wrong? 35,000, 36,000 total in the United States. And I'm sure that fluctuates and changes and so on. But if their first study is saying that the idea is that it's 0.5 per 100,000 in a given year, it's blatant. That's less than they even have. And that's 0.5. So you're talking like 0.2 per thousand. I mean, it's ridiculous. But let's, let's keep going to make this even more clear. So just my point again is that he posted the link to the study that shows that he is wrong. That this is not, so that, 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 that is in fact new what's happening right now. That this is exploding. And it's way higher than what he just listed. Here's another one. Same thing. New is doing a lot of the heavy lifting in this tweet. And he goes, here's from 2016. And post this article. It's the exact same thing. Now, this one does have to do with athletes. 
but it says in front of the BC Medical Journal, sudden cardiac death in young competitive athletes. So again, my point was she wasn't arguing this has never happened before, arguing with the term sudden athlete or sudden uh, athlete death syndrome is the new term. This is from 2016. Here's what it says. Athletes are thought to represent the pinnacle of health and fitness. When a young athlete suffers a sudden cardiac death, it is a rare but catastrophic event. Because, yeah, that's the point. So historically, it's been like one or so many. I'll show you the studies I've referenced in the past. Way, 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 way less than what is happening right now. And that garners attention from the media. Not today, though. Right? Rare and catastrophic, but garners attention from the media. Where'd Wikipedia leave off? Oh, it looks like they stopped reporting these as of May 15th, 2022. And it looks like they've only discussed, like, look, I mean, geez, from just 2022, they've only listed three of them. That's it. Three. Here's good sciencing again. We're at uh, 1,090 with 715 dead. And in 2022 alone, there's a lot. But, you know, because they care and they report it because it's super rare, right? It's not what's happening. Things have shifted. It goes on to say, the general public, and, and everybody pays attention. General public, media, medical community, that's not what's happening. Sudden cardiac death in athletes is often the result of lethal arrhythmias caused by genetic disorders that have gone undiagnosed because patients tend to be asymptomatic. Okay, my point again. Those are things that would show up in an autopsy. They were undiagnosed, but then they found out afterward. That's not what's happening. People are dying and they can't figure out why. They dump it in the SADS category. In addition to inherited disorders, other risk factors and conditions can predispose athletes to cardiac events. Exactly. All of which would show up in an afterwards autopsy. Now it goes on to say in competitive athletes younger than the age 35, which is the focus of this article, the majority of sudden cardiac death cases are due to inherited heart diseases. Wherein, whereas in masters athletes older than 35, most cases are due to coronary artery disease, both of which would be noticeable and seen. But here's the most important part talking about this is old and we know this. Well, here's what this says. One of the largest studies examining the incidence of both sudden cardiac arrest and sudden cardiac death in the U.S. registry for sudden death in athletes and estimated that athlete American athletes between ages 8 and 39 had a risk of 1 in 164,000. Again, with 35,000, 36,000 athletes in this country, and this is specifically for the U.S. registry, that data suggests or blatantly shows you that based on their information, we should be seeing less than one public cardiac arrest, let alone death, in all of sports. Look at that. Who cares about facts and data, though, right? As always, 36,000. This is datausa.io. This is athletes and sports competitors. So here was her tweet. Oh, I think I just, that was the tweet I was showing you. Now, here's what they're arguing in a new study as of the end of 2021. A new theory on sudden cardiac deaths in young athletes. Guess what? The genes that make some people vulnerable to a fatal heart stoppage may be the same ones that give them an athletic edge, researchers suggest. So we've got all this data proving that what we're seeing now is exponentially higher on a dime starting in 2020 forward than we've ever seen before. And we're going to go, but the genes they've always had suddenly started changing things for no reason. And they're good athletes, so that's why they have those genes. And that may be the gene causing fatal heart stoppages because of something that didn't change out of nowhere in 2020. I mean, how do any how does any scientist act like that makes sense? So what's the catalyst then? What suddenly caused the gene to act differently? 
maybe the genetic therapy, if that's even what's actually happening, but it doesn't even matter. Like even their argument suggests in that same direction, but that's, you won't find the word vaccine anywhere in this article. How painful is that? Written by Alex Hutchinson. But again, real science, goodsciencing.com. As much as they love to call this a conspiracy theory site, it's simply data. You can, and, and the author of this wants you to question and challenge this. You can look at this for yourself. Everything's been cited. I mean, look, there's, there's more. There's five just from June 2022. And Wikipedia's only got three in all of 2022. You can go look, look at just May. Now, the point is, every single one of these has a link to the news story usually mainstream media, that proves to you that one, they got an injection, and two, that they then died. Many of which were playing sports. That's all we're seeing is that people, as it says up here, 1,090 athlete cardiac arrests, serious issues, 715 dead after injection. That's all we're arguing is they got an injection and then died in a suspicious time frame. 715 out of the 1,090 who had those cardiac arrests died from it. Most of which they can't prove why. These are why they're dumping them in these categories, which then suggests that it's a vaccine injury because there's no indication. Please challenge this, look it up for yourself and go through this data because they did a great job on this. There's even a whole category down here of, of people that they can't prove had the injection or, you know, and can't prove certain time frames, So they include them in a category that's sort of up in the air. You don't do that if you're being honest and obje- if you're not being honest and effective. Look how many there are. Jeez, I mean, this is just incredible to me. I'm just trying to show you that bottom category that shows you what I'm talking about. And there's just so many to scroll through. This is all from 2021. 2021. Go even faster. My gosh. Okay, here we go. May or may not have been vaxxed. They they go out of their way to put a whole category in here about groups they know died, but they're not sure were vaccinated. There's a lot of them. Look at this. You know, it just goes on to show you that there are plenty of objective people out there that are telling you things that are contentious but giving you the ability, the, the material, the source material to come to your own conclusions about it. But here's Wikipedia. List of association footballers who died while playing. And it's just footballers, but this is not true. There's plenty here that are omitted. And we're not, we're not even including vaccines. We're just talking about the people that died while playing. There is plenty more than that. So ask yourself why they stopped reporting it. Now, here are the ones that I've already shown you. And these have been here for a long time. Again, combine this with this study. Which finds this, which finds a very obvious and important number of 0.5 per 100,000 participants per year, or this one that finds one in every 164,000. Combine that with these ones. This is from 2014 to 2018. And understand these are different places, different research groups. They're going to vary. But every single one of these shows you that we are exponentially higher than that. And you don't even have to use real, the good science website if you don't like. There's plenty of other groups out there that can make, can show you this. But my point in showing you this one is that there's, they're all linked. There's no denying that number as much as they pretend like it's only 15 or only 30 or only 60. There's plenty of people trying to, to gaslight you in what's actually happening. But if you go step one by one through every one of these 100,000, 1,090, you'll find the link that proves that happened and then that they died. Simple as that. So when we look at this, this whole entire FIFA study, specifically about footballers, a total of 617 players with sudden deaths were reported from 67 countries. That's it. And then we're talking about just these times. That's four years. Four years. 617 from 67 different countries. You break that down, it is unbelievably less than what we're seeing. 
Here's another. This is from the NIH National Library of Medicine, 2018. Sudden death during sports is rare. At least it was. There were 201 sports-related adult deaths. There's not even just cardiac arrest, but death specifically at an incident rate of 0.76 to 1.49 per 100,000 participants per year. Same thing. It's the same thing. And yet here we are being called fake news when this is undeniable. I don't care what data you want to look at right now. In anywhere you look, you're going to find more than one person that collapsed this year. Knowing that we only have 36,000 athletes in the entire country. And it's just... It, it just becomes comical. Now on MISC, to wrap this up, we've already talked about this, but I want to include this in the same mindset discussion. This is another angle of this that's being labeled as something else. As Peter McCullough puts, that's why I won't include this again. Dr. Peter McCullough. Mandated products failing to protect against rare MISC in children, preloading with ill-advised genetic code for spike may make risks worse since CDC says 75% of kids have already been through the illness and recovered. MISC means ICU, ventilated for some, and death and avoid. My point here is it says two cases of MISC in laboratory-confirmed SARS-CoV-2 breakthrough infections in fully vaccinated adolescent patients. Well, again, guys, we know what could be causing this. Not every time. Now, you could argue this is coming because of the injection, which is sort of the point, I guess. But my, my point is that in this major peer-reviewed study about masks that discussed the Fogan effect, which was that they found that the, inje- that the masks were increasing the fatality rate, significantly higher fatality rate than countries without mask mandates. It's as simple as that. But on top of that, it says another salient point. And oh, it also makes the point of saying even using better masks like N95s, he saw an even stronger, higher increase in mortality because the point is it's actually aerosolizing the particulates that they don't have any effect on transmission. And this has been scientifically proven throughout this whole process. But going forward, another salient point is that COVID-19 related long-term effects and multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, MISC, may all be a direct cause of the Fogan effect. Virus entry into the alveola and blood without being restricted to the upper respiratory tract and bronchi and can cause damage by initiating an immune reaction in most organs. Regarding the proposed consequences of the Fogan effect, the question arises, which share of the global death toll and long-term effects of COVID-19 can simply be attributed to widespread mask use? I mean, guys, this is everywhere. The, all these problems seem to be cor- completely centralized around the very things that they forced and told people to do. I just can't get past how obvious this all is. And just the last point to leave us here today, Read this article for yourself. Propaganda and Focus points out their title of the article, Hiding in Plain Sight, Technocratic Tyranny Behind a Medical Mask. And it's a great article I'm just going to leave you with to read for yourself, showing you how this is just a stepping stone, guys. It's a transition to where they're pushing you. And just in case you didn't realize that this is all involving everybody, here's Elon Musk. As this person says, what's outside our universe? Is it possible for humans to ever know this? And can't a game do this? And on and on and on. And Elon Musk simply responds, That is why we must expand the scope and scale of consciousness so that we may learn the answers to these questions. Right. Now, maybe that's what a lot of people want to know. Yeah, you know, we're making strides to the future. But how about the fact that the point was buying Twitter in this case or attempting to is about essentially the closest thing to the flow of human consciousness outside of somebody's brain or the collective human consciousness, which exists really nowhere. That's that's not my opinion. That's what a lot of experts have discussed. There's nothing closer to that representation than what we're seeing on Twitter. And that's when he's saying, well, we're going to we're going to do less advertising. Well, you got to make that money somewhere. It's going to be using your information, your data. That's what this is about. 
And that's going to be used in regard to the brain machine interface, the neural link and all the things that are coming forward. This is not even secret. It's openly discussed. So when he's over there talking about how we need to take the next step for human consciousness, okay, this is the direction that we're all pointing in. Now, I'm not saying that everything we're saying is guaranteed to be the next, the next step or the future, or maybe there's not thing, there could be things we're wrong about in regard to what the Great Reset actually means and so on and so on. But it's never been more clear that these people are trying to drive you in the direction of what they want to do next. And that is not and has never been, as history has shown, in your best interest. Time to stand up. Stay the course. Push back. It's never been more appropriate than right now. On top of that, prepare yourself. Not because I can guarantee something bad is going to happen, but because you should always be prepared. That's what smart people do. Have some food. Have some water. Learn how to fix things yourself. Learn how to grow food. Learn how to fix a car. Learn how to do these things for yourself so you can depend on yourself and not anybody else. They're trying to steal from you, whether that's your money, whether that's your life. It's just time that we stand up and stop letting party lines hinder us from pushing back collectively. That's the only thing that's going to, the only time that's going to change is when we can stand up together and one voice and ultimately show the people that they don't represent us anymore. I don't have all the answers, but I do know we need to acknowledge the problem before we can change anything. Thank you for being here. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Questions get asked when people have hesitancy or reluctance to get vaccinated. Did you go too quickly is the first. The answer to that is the speed was a reflection of extraordinary scientific advances and did not compromise safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. The next question is, okay, but what about the fact, is it really safe and is it really effective? Or is this something the government is trying to put over on us? Is this something the companies want to take advantage of? Well, let's take a look at what's happened over the past few months. We've had clinical trials, and thanks to the volunteers in that trial, in tens of thousands who have put themselves on the line to prove to the country and the world that these are safe and effective products. It is really bittersweet. The bitterness is the fact of what the Vice President mentioned. We still are in the middle of a very difficult situation with record numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. But the sweetness is the light at the end of the tunnel, which I can tell you, as we get into January, February, March, and April, that light is going to get brighter and brighter, and the bitterness is going to be replaced by the sweetness. And we all hope, and I think this is doable, that by the time we get to several months into this year, we will have enough people protected that we can start thinking seriously about the return to normality. And that's up to all of us to step forward and get vaccinated.